Uh. Live from Cool Boys Center. You can be the boss down there. I'm boss up here. Hold your dicks and rub your tits. Or you'll be ice cold. Here come the cool boys. Just a young boy. What? <gasps> what? <gasps> so cool. Cool? Cool. So cool. Oh, good for you. Yeah. I see cool boys. And I'm assuming you don't want to take this edit and come up with crazy fucking Midnight Run. Uh, Midnight Run has horrible music. <laughs> opening? I actually like the music. It's so 80s. <clears throat> it is so like, oh, it's kind of wacky moment music. Huh. It's not It's not as good as like trains, planes, and automobiles music. For no, me. but it's the same type of music. All right, well, greetings, Cool Boy Nation, and welcome to a midnight installment of the Cool Boys Podcast. I'm Felk. Yeah, midnight Felk, I guess. Oh, and I'm Run Ballard. Uh. <laughs> I could be the Duke Felk, and you could be whatever. Or I guess I'd be De Niro, and you'd be the Duke. No, maybe Jackson. I'd be the Duke. I don't know. It's hard to know. There's really no uh, connection to us, our characters, through the characters of Midnight Run. Yeah, no, I'll be Jack Walsh, and you're Jonathan Mardukas, the Duke. I think that makes the most sense. I'm the no-nonsense cop, ex-cop that beats everyone up, and <laughs> you're the uh, criminal mastermind, uh, you know, uh, white-collar criminal. That's my favorite joke in the, in the movie, where's the where De Niro's... Uh, I think it's ex-wife's... Son. No spoilers! No spoilers! Says, says, you don't look like a criminal. He goes, I'm white collar. White <laughs> like, collar. Yeah. There, there are a lot of funny jokes in the movie. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it, it's all of it is uh, is delivery, of course, with these amazing actors. We should get into that. Yeah. So cool. So cool. This episode, we'll be discussing the recent murder of Charles Grodin at the hands of Robert De Niro, allegedly. <gasps> And their film, Midnight <laughs> Run! <laughs> Nasally. I got vaccinated. You okay? Yeah, I got vaccinated, by the way, so I kind of feel sick all the time now. I love it. So, we will forgo our cool boy updates and get right into the late... Is he dead? The late? Who? Martin Bress. 30, I didn't know he was dead. $35 million budgeted. <laughs> 1988 masterpiece scoring 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's that's right. And grossing 81.6 million at the box office. That was a lot of money back then. Midnight Run! And all the fabulous spoilers it has given us. And now I gotta Google to see if Martin Brust is dead or not. <laughs> He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He 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 hasn't made a movie since Jiggly. I looked that up though. Yeah, dude, he's only made six real movies, and, like, Geely broke his fucking heart. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, the studio took Geely away from him um, and, like, uh, recut it and reshot it, completely new vision, and he, like, he broke his heart. He's like, I'll never make another movie again. Like, literally, and he never did. Have you seen Jiggly? And then he died. Yeah, he died. Have you seen Jiggly? Geely. Geely. That was Geely. I think it's pronounced Geely, but it, it, it's spelled Jiggly. I'm not sure if I saw it on a plane or if I saw Forces of Nature. I literally don't know which movie I saw on a plane. I know Ben was in it. I cannot tell you if it was Sandra Bullock or Jennifer Lopez. No, honestly. Forces of Nature is Bradley Cooper and Sandra Bullock. No, it's not. It's Ben Affleck and Sandra Bullock. I'm certain of it. I saw it. I think I saw that in the plane. It was that or Geely. 
but who knows? <laughs> oh yeah, it was nineteen ninety nine. We didn't even have a Bradley Cooper yet. He wasn't famous. Well, we did. He was just uh, working with um, the state group in like uh, what Hot American Summer type shit. Yeah. Um, the uh, only good airplane film I think I ever saw that I would never watch otherwise would be Ghosts of Girlfriend Past, and that was awesome. McConaughey. Yeah. I actually enjoyed that movie. I liked. I liked. Uh, th- that was the that was the beginning of the uh, Emma Stone rise to power, uh, where because she, she she plays like one of the ghosts. I mean, they're not ghosts. That's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. The the plot of the movie is uh, McConaughey on like New Year's or Christmas is visited by no no no, by... no no no. It's a wedding. It's a wedding, but it's Christmas Carol. But it's a wedding. Okay, visited, he's Scrooge. It's visited by the ghosts of his girlfriend's past, but they're not all dead, right? Like Emma Stone's no, character like, isn't it, dead because Emma Stone like plays figments. like his first, like, like his first girlfriend, the girl he lost his virginity to, and she's just like still that age that it happened at. But did she die? No, Are they they're dead? figments. What? No, they're figments of his imagination of the of, the, of those moments in his period of his life. The title I of the think... movie is what again? The movie is what? What's the title of the movie again? We just said Ghosts it. of Girlfriend. Okay, past. yeah, Ghosts is in the title. Yes. Yeah, they're like figments. Like, yeah, like phantoms in a way, but not like I don't, not like uh, specters in the sense of like uh, spirits lost on Earth. It's it's just a play on the Christmas Carol. That's all, and it's great. It's really great. McConaughey's a great douchebag, and that and he learns his ways. It's back when he was making just rom coms and banking all kinds of fucking paychecks before the whole reconnaissance. Which started with Mud, I think. Yeah. And then really took off with True Detective. But Mud is what got everybody paying attention to him, to put him in all those roles like True Detective and Interstellar and shit like that. Uh, Christopher Nolan states Mud is like the reason he cast McConaughey. Yeah, I don't. I don't like this movie. This movie. Bothers what movie? Ghost Midnight Girl, Run. Ghost of the Girl from Past. No, I like Midnight Run. I stand uh, by well, it. Ghost of Girlfriend's Past, like I said, it was a great movie that I saw on a plane. It was something I would never watch. When you see a plane movie, though, it's a completely different experience. You're willing to give so much into that movie just to ignore all the screaming around you. I don't... I, I've seen one movie for the first time on a plane ever, and that was uh, flying as a, a teenager with my parents to uh, Vegas the movie Sabrina with uh, Harrison Ford, Greg Kinnear, and some yes, chick. Yes, I saw that on a plane too. Yeah, that was. Well, it was probably a, you know, the same time, right? Juliet Binoche, I'm guessing. Juliet Binoche, I think right? that Wasn't sounds that right. right. I'm not going to look it up. I've already looked up like three movies I never cared about. <laughs> You're before. Jamie tonight. Uh, um, no, I'm not goddamn Jamie. And if I'm Jamie, it's for fucking aliens and shit, not forces of nature and girl, ghosts of girlfriend <laughs> passes. Sabrina Felk. <laughs> and by the way, since I mentioned aliens, if we have any new listeners who have started following us because of our throw alien episode. Uh, tonight we're talking about Midnight Run, so f- f- stick with us. <laughs> Maybe we'll talk about aliens again someday. Tonight, even who knows? Throw Alien did very well. I hear it did. I guess. Um, well, sixty minutes, right? I mean, that made everything huge. So yeah, yeah, sixty minutes. Is like, there's aliens, by the way. Yeah, aliens. They're here, man. They're here on. They're fleer. queer. Get, Get used, used to, to it. it. Yep, that's right, baby. Aliens. Aliens, baby. The coming. And I love, here's the thing I love. Everyone's always like, About Dude, Midnight these Run? fucking spacecraft, man, these alien spacecraft, they move like nothing on this planet. And the other day I was like literally like looking out my backyard and I saw this dragonfly and it moved exactly like they say these UAPs <clears throat> move, these UFOs move. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, 
oh, I guess there are things on this planet that move like that. Because, like, I looked it up. Like, a dragonfly is something, like, makes turns that, like, four or nine degrees or like it's a nine degree turns or no, I'm sorry not nine degree turns nine G turns and they they take off and launch themselves at four G like acceleration and it's like that's what we're talking about like these UAPs do so I'm just wondering like China used to modify their fighting styles based on animals whether it was like you know tiger style mantis style crane style drunken monkey style and what if their scientists just never stopped doing that, like following nature and letting nature direct them? And what if they fucking figured out how to do drones? The only thing I question that about that. I think all China that definitely has figured out how to do drones. Well, here's the thing I question, though, right? What we need to know <laughs> is a timeline. Drones. Are we talking about 70 years, 70 to 80 years of UFO research and, and recordings? Or are we talking about... 15 years of research and recordings because no, the car, China, China didn't have fucking cars until the late 90s that's what I'm saying right so that's my point so if we're talking about 50 to 70 years of UFO research and recording then there's no way these drones are fucking these UAPs or China or anything on this fucking well planet. no it's 15 it's 15 well now at this point now like 22 years you don't 23 know years. you don't but know. no 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 since China Project has been an economic let me finish or something. it's only been like 20 plus years since China has been an economic superpower so you think oh why have they gotten so advanced with so so many shit and, and that could also include drone technology and, and explain the U, ufos up to like post 9 11 let's say after like 2005 china started being in a world power where maybe they're responsible for it but that doesn't explain ufos before china right. was able to build anything but the reason why china has been able to advance so fucking quickly is because other countries have rules there are rules for policemen um yeah that's what my <laughs> captain keeps telling me um that's a diehard reference. There, there are rules for other countries. Like, we can't just fucking send spies into other countries and have them. I mean, we do, but we, we do. don't care so much if they get caught or executed or just kill themselves. We have no, we have to have some degree of respect for human life and other countries and international quote unquote laws and the UN and all that other stuff. Whereas China will, you know, like they'll, they'll hack into whatever, read our shit, build that shit fly that mm -hmm. shit right over our country and be like, well, what are you going to do about it? We're fucking China, you know? We have Uyghurs, and you don't seem to care. So Me? we'll do whatever. No, the uh, well, you, yeah, you, but I mean, America in general, but you specifically for subscribing to Disney Plus still. You subscribe to Disney Plus too. No, I don't. You used to. Yeah, I did. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. We talked about it. For a while, Disney I had Plus Disney Plus, episodes. yeah. You did. Don't lie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I so obviously exactly. had it when your I watched point, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier because there's no other way to watch Disney Plus shows. The your point is 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 right on. It's, it's the same thing like I was trying to make as well, right? Like the idea that China has been in in some superpower for a long time, but they've only been able to have technological advancements in the last few decades, right? And we're talking about decades upon decades potentially. Yeah. So we just need a timeline. If the if the when the disclosure comes out in June. And they're like, yeah, this has been going on for a long time. Then we're like, okay, this is fucking no other country on earth. It's the Atlanteans. It's fucking Aquaman, right? Um, or fucking Amber Heard. Man. It's like it's only been 15 years. We've really noticed this increase. And you can be like, okay, so somebody figured it out. Drones. Yeah. A while ago. Atlanteans again. All the shit they're talking about now is like modern technology and modern sightings they're not going back to like the 70s i mean conspiracy theorists are and throw alien says they've been coming for 10 to twenty thousand years i think it's just maybe a feeling i get that was often a, a phrase in that uh right post i think eshed 
I think I'm saying his name right for the first time. It's not Amir. It's like Eshed Hashem. Oh, no, I'm probably butchering the last part of his name. He, um, the Israeli guy, right, from uh, uh, the security guy from uh, Israel. Woo, Israel! <laughs> Israel. Haim Eshed, the former Israeli space security uh, chief, he is also said something like about thousands upon thousands of years uh, uh, they've been coming. Yeah, 50% of the Cool Boys podcast stands with Israel, and the other half just wants to deliver pizzas man <laughs> me yeah, yeah. is that it yeah it's true i'm assuming uh, you're not gonna it's take true. a stance maybe there's been some some pressing uh so somebody's been texting us that we should we should we should weigh in and i think our midnight <laughs> run episodes is good as any to, to weigh in on the growing israel quote-unquote palestine conflict palestine is not oh a real God. place can you we should just do a whole episode called israel versus palestine who's better or something like that who wins I don't think God that's really damn. a much of a contest. <laughs> we nope, know who obviously. we know who's going to win. It's just a matter of like how much are they willing to blow up <laughs> to, yeah. to 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 stop them rockets? Because Dude, uh, if you care about Palestine, tell them to stop sending the fucking rockets. That's kind of where the problem it. starts. Um, I uh, I was looking at this uh, photo. It was like maybe a, a few days ago or a few weeks ago. Um, this photo was a big deal. Um, but it was essentially this uh, shot that was like the uh, Palestinians or Hamas, right? Like I don't want to say Palestinians because I don't actually know. I'm not very educated you can say, or no. very smart. Pa Palestinian people is a thing and Palestinian food and Palestinian culture. There was no place or area or region ever referred to as Palestine until uh, basically Israel existed, which I think it was under British control before that. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's Palestine and Israel's occupying it. It would never have been called Palestine before Israel was there. So saying Palestine is just a way of saying, I hate Jews, if you believe that Palestine's a place. And that's 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 how I interpret it. Yeah, that All right, rocket. so I just sent you a photo, right? Yeah. That I thought was really crazy. So you can see the uh, rockets on the right are uh, being launched into Israel. Yeah. And the all the rockets on the left is the Iron Dome. This is a long exposure taken, and um, I just was blown away at how sci-fi realistic that is. Like, just like wow, like we are, we're at that level right now. Like, that's insane to me. Yeah, it's like I mean, technologically again, the, like it's insane that they have to have an Iron Dome. I mean, it's not. It sounds cool. I mean, it, it sounds, sounds like awesome. it's not, it, I mean, it, it's obviously just a, a missile defense system that, that can shoot down rockets very quickly, but not always. They get through. So yeah, because that's what they do, right? They they overload them with too many, so yeah. they can't get them all. Uh, Israel defense like they're only firing rockets either to destroy, intercept other rockets, or to take out areas that are being sent from rockets. Israel is. Uh, Israel uses its rockets to protect its citizens. Whereas but they took out the in, AP Bureau on Saturday. You shouldn't say Palestine. You say Hamas. Hamas is the de facto government of the Palestinian region of Israel. And uh, they launched their rockets from their you know schools and hospitals and heavily populated areas. They put them there specifically because they know that if Israel takes them out, There'll be casualties. Israel doesn't want there to be casualties. There's a fucking recording going on right now of, of Israel trying to uh, tell the people in Palestine, like, hey, we're about to fucking bomb this building. Evacuate it. And 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 the Hamas leader is saying, no, uh, we're, we're going to keep everybody in there, especially the children. And uh, you're going to blow them up if you're going to blow it up because we're not going to evacuate. But they evacuated it anyways. Dude, so Israel's functioning like Jack Traven in speed. They're shooting the hostage. 
<laughs> no, they're trying not to. They're trying not to have civilian casualties. Uh, like I said, Israel uses its rockets to protect uh, its people. I think I'm quoting Ben Shapiro here. Uh, but <laughs> Hamas uses its people to protect its rockets. And it's, like, this, is, this is not a disputable fact. This is very true. The only thing that's disputable is when I said it all begins with Hamas sending the rockets. And if they could just fucking stop this by not sending rockets at populated parts of Israel, uh, I legit people, don't know. People what would say this. people would say no. What started it was the creation of Israel occupying Palestine. No, 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 I, I mean more recently, like what set it off recently. Even though Palestine was already occupied by the British, and it wasn't really Palestine. Palestinian people are just people, like people in between and basically unincorporated area of land that was then taken over by the British, and, and it goes back to the Crusades, obviously, but it is where the Jews originally came from. It is where all the Jesus stuff happened and all the important stuff happened, and it is their 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 home. But uh, yeah, if, if, like you, if you're pro-Palestine, you're pro-Hamas. Say Hamas. I'm, no, but I'm curious, what happened recently, though, to set this off? What's that, well, uh, what set this off is, is the president of the United States changed and we know like so Israel no longer has the backing of the US uh, military so now anything they do is going to be on anything Israel does in its defense is going to be on Israel and and uh, so far to his credit Biden has not come out against this uh, he has said Israel has a right to defend itself uh, now I I would say it goes further than that. Israel has a duty to defend itself. It's, it should be doing what it's, it, it's doing. Uh, it, it, it's supposed to, but uh, he hasn't. Uh, he hasn't t taken a hard stance against it. Now Kamala has, and you're, the squad certainly wants to destroy Israel. And if you go to Black Lives Matter's website, uh, the, the dissolution of uh, the nation of Israel is one of their fucking agendas, which makes no you wonder. Way. I am absolutely one hundred percent. I can pull it up right now. Pull it up right now. I did not know that. What? I'm Jewish. That's crazy. Jews marched with Martin Luther King Jr. Rabbis marched like hand in hand with Martin Luther King and like like John Lewis and shit. Like, what? Where's this? Where's this anti-Semitism coming from? By the way, wasn't there like um. The Keith Stanfield, the guy that was in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and Get Out, he was part of some like clubhouse, I think it was clubhouse um, forum, and like people got like super anti-Semitic, and like someone was all like, "Hey, the moderator, which was the Keith, there's a, uh, there's are a you gonna say something about this?" And he was all Black like, "Black Lives Matter's website is a cloud fare protection." <laughs> uh, let's see, hold on. Are you still looking for it? Yeah. Anyways, it was interesting, and then like I heard like Keith Stanfield or whatever his name is got in trouble. Everyone was all upset with him because he didn't say like stopping anti-Semitic on this fucking forum of Clubhouse. It was crazy. I'm not gonna find it on the website. I mean, I just, I, I, I've, I've heard other people say it uh, that this is true. But anybody but... can say anything. Shit, I say shit all the time. I'm fucking wrong all the time. I need to get another joint from the joint drawer. Get another joint. That's wild, if that were the case. That'd be pretty fucking intense, too. I would imagine that they'd get called out. And, like, people would attack them for that shit. Um, it's feeling Israel wrong this whole time. That's the problem. It's Are you spelling Israel? Yeah. Instead of Israel? Israel. 
<laughs> it's real, baby. It's real. <laughs> okay. Uh, here, here, here. Uh, up to 2016, it's taken down the website. Uh, claims the U.S. military aid to Israel makes the U.S. complicit in the genocide taking place against the Palestinian people. Uh, a lot of people have. Uh, yeah, they call yeah, what yeah, they call Israel an apart apartheid state and shit like that for the way they treat Palestinian people. Which is awesome. Yeah. Like they they treat Palestinian Palestinian people in Israel are happier than the people who are in the Palestinian parts of Palestine. Uh, and if you want to ask. You know, ask a Palestinian person how they feel about it. Ask a gay one. Ask a gay one living in Israeli-controlled parts of Israel versus the Palestinian-controlled, the Hamas-controlled parts of uh, quote-unquote Palestine. Uh, how how they feel, you know? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's ask connections <laughs> between trans rights and supporting Hamas support or at least supporting quote unquote Palestine and it's like hey let's start a charity to send trans rights activists to uh, Palestine so they can spread their message mm. and see how that goes yeah, I'm not I suggesting I, I don't want any I don't want anyone to get hurt but for the love of God don't support a people who want to kill you and act like you're you're a you have a grasp of the under, uh, of the situation it's like all you have to do is look at the the rights of people in Israel, including Palestinian people, uh, in, in Israeli-controlled parts of Israel, versus the the rights of people, especially gay people, in the uh, Hamas-controlled. Spoilers for Midnight Run. <laughs> yeah, let's let's talk about this movie. Should uh, we? Yeah, I guess. Why are I we talking it. about this movie? We watched. We're talking about this movie because Charles Grodin died. Yep. I always have heartburn during these episodes. Is it because of me? No, it's because I eat dinner. Oh. Rushed to, to make our 9 p.m. deadline. <laughs> you eat rushed to make a 9 p.m. deadline. <laughs> when do you eat dinner? Like 7 at the latest, I think. Jesus Christ, you're an old man. I am an old man, dude. I'm starting to think about eating dinner at 6 recently. Yeah. You go to a fucking I'm country like, kitchen shit, buffet? Man. Seven's too too late. Um, we do seven usually because in our house we try to have like a fun little like we try to do TV programming for the kids. So right now we're watching Full House for dinner. So we've been we're on season four and we watch one episode every dinner, <laughs> just of a Full House and it's it's been amazing, dude. I love fucking Full House. Is huh. it, first of all, it is like pro trans rights, pro like ho, like homosexual rights. Like it's pretty crazy. Like I was at, at the same time though, I didn't realize how homophobic it was. Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure it's it not. Was. I'm sure it's, it's weird. Not. It, it's skating like the sword because like at the time, it's very liberal. Yeah. But it's but it's not liberal today. No. Welcome to the problem with today. I know. It's like, welcome to today. Glad, Glad was giving fucking friends uh, awards for it's like, oh, they had a lesbian couple. And now it's like, friends is white supremacy all over. It's like, it's, yep. it's homophobia. And it's like, and transphobia. I mean, there technically is a trans character in the show. Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld was like, was controversial at the time, but not for the reasons it would be controversial today. Uh, Seinfeld gets a pass just because its whole thing was that its characters are assholes Im immoral monsters yeah, Kramer's the only one with a sense of morality the other ones are basically monsters George Seinfeld and Elaine especially homophobia in Seinfeld's pretty rampant though as well 
Yeah, but they also uh, there, there's messages in it that are anti woke for like that now read as anti woke. In particular, the uh, the idea that the the you know the 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 ribbon the wear the wearing the AIDS ribbon like the the fact that virtue signaling is more important than actually like Kramer is actually marching for AIDS he cares obviously uh, yeah. and, but but it doesn't who, matter unless who he doesn't, wears want the, who doesn't want to wear the ribbon doesn't want to wear the ribbon. Uh, and those two characters we assume are gay, I think. One of those guys is Cedric. I know his name is Cedric. I can't remember the other one. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I assume those uh, characters are, are gay, and, and, and that's such a weird... They're only in two episodes. They're in the... That, when they bully him for not wearing the ribbon, and when they steal his ar- the ar- Elaine's armoire. Soup Nazi. Yeah, the Soup Nazi. Yeah, yeah Soup Nazi. The, the, lar- the armoire. Yeah. It's just, that's, like, oh my god, I love this armoire. Pick it up, pick it up. And Kramer's like sitting there in the street tops. They bullied him. <laughs> uh, it's that's so weird. <laughs> like, it's amazing. That, what was the message of that? I don't think there was one. I think it was just they oh, thought this would there be is funny. No message. There's never a message to Seinfeld. That's the thing. Seinfeld, you're right. Seinfeld. The thing about Seinfeld is like t- today, I don't know if it can be made on NBC. It's like it's always sunny. It's made on FX or FXX now because. It is pushing that boundary of controversy. I don't know if NBC would be comfortable doing Seinfeld today the same way they did it then. Even but It's Always again, Sunny. Yeah? If it's, if it's Always Sunny is the, the heir to Seinfeld, even it never Ish. went where Seinfeld went. In I mean, it way? did. It did. I mean, it would it would it would do it would do the discussions. It would do the topics of it. Um, but because the characters were so cartoonish and over the top especially after season two when when they they got kind of outlandish um Seinfeld is trying to take place in like the the real world with characters who are unable to fit in with it whereas it's always sunny in Philadelphia it seems like everybody's insane and weird yeah they they have like quote-unquote straight characters who are supposed to like react to them but even them they, they don't like read as the seasons go on, like the lawyer comes up and over the lawyer, over yeah, the yeah. the smart lawyer guy, the handsome lawyer guy, yeah. I just, as I was just thinking about that, like he did, he does devolve yeah. as the seasons go on. Um, what's really horrible is it's always sunny season one. When you compare that to season two, season one is like garbage. And then if you watch season two, which is actually a really good season, you compare it to like season three, it's it's you see the show changing. No, yeah, none of the characters are the characters in season one. Charlie's not illiterate or retarded or homeless. Uh, they do show his apartment. It's like Homer. Yeah, yeah. Like Homer, Homer season one of Simpsons is just a nice dad. He's yeah. maybe not the quickest dad, but by like season three or four, Homer's a complete fucking nitwit. Yeah, and then after season eleven or ten, he then you get into the jerk ass Homer phase where he is, yeah. is is also kind of amoral for no reason. He doesn't he call himself a jerk ass at one point too. He he says the the phrase jerk ass early on. I think it's first used in the uh, Homer Palooza episode. Uh, I'm not sure what the first phrase of it, but people called a jerk ass Homer to refer to the fact that he started doing things that were uh, outside of what Homer would normally morally be okay with doing. Different for, writers, for, for, yeah, different writers, different, different, different show. Uh, but yeah, no, season one of the Sunny, like Dennis is like not Dennis a is, rapist a, or a, is a rapist or, or possibly a serial killer moving forward. Yeah. <laughs> and in the first season, he has like he has a moral quandary with whether or not he's it's okay for him to have sex with an 18 year old girl. Who still because she's still in high school and it's like that's not the dentist that they wrote in season three and four and five like that's a no, very the different dentist character. Of today might have child pornography on, on his VHS. He might have room. killed people. Like they keep he implying have. he's a serial killer, but then they also 
would, would always hedge that back. I don't know if they ever the implication. got. Well, the implication episode, that's that's has oh. like a lot of me too, like implications there where yes. they, they were like, here's, you know, and making it pretty clear if he hasn't overtly raped people, he's crossed the moral and legal line. And then later in the high school reunion one, they just show that he has like duct tape and fucking like serial yes. killer gloves in his car at all time. It's like, yep. where are Rope. you going with this? Yeah, I think also, I always thought, of, I, what I loved about the boat episode, the gang buys a boat or whatever it was called, um, was when, when Dennis is telling Mac about the implication, like that is in a great analogy for the casting couch and what was going on in Hollywood. And this was pre-2017. Well, I don't think anyone thought they'd die if they said no to Harvey Weinstein, but they knew no, they wouldn't no. get the part. It's still obviously horribly, part. it's wrong and immoral. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> excuse me. That's what it, it's but, always uh, Sunny's always done. Like think about the episode where they talked about them not winning Emmys. It, it was about them, you know, losing the bar contest. Like they always go way beyond to try to like, make the metaphor so like i think the implication is not necessarily only about casting couches but i think it's about that situation in life when people utilize their power or their or, you know or their position and therefore and and whatever the situation is and the environment it is yeah. to take advantage of someone right but that's that, like, that's that's what it is that's the episode that, that's what, in a nutshell what they're talking about at least yeah the dennis but, aspect yeah when, when dennis says it though it's it's mac being the one like that sounds no. I know. I awful. get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I but get like, it. but but so Mac would be the moral center there. But then later, the Mac is doing horribly immoral things, and Dennis might be the one be like, "That's awful. You shouldn't do that." So it's yep. like it just goes. Well, there was never a character who was a moral center. Whereas I feel like if you watch Seinfeld with with the knowledge that these are horrible characters, Kramer is not a horrible person. He's a buffoon at times, and he does bad things, but he never does something horribly immoral. He's he always is seeming like he's trying to do the right thing, but all his friends are horrible people. But uh, he, he's 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 the only moral like there's a, a defined moral center throughout at least the first seven seasons and season eight and nine no. are, are a mess anyway. Kramer didn't become Kramer till season three. Because Kramer, Kramer in season one is a complete depressed alcoholic that lives across the hall. That's the first like, episode. That's the first episode. No, that's he's, like the he's, first season, dude. And then like the second season, Kramer, you can tell Michael Richards is like, he's trying new stuff with Kramer. He's trying to be more wacky and the audience is loving it. So by season three, he's just like full on like, let's try this new Kramer out. And he had it locked and loaded by the end of season three. So going into season four, the whole season where they do the pilot for the, the show about Seinfeld called Jerry. Um, he's it, Kramer figured himself out. Like Michael Richards knew that who he was at that point, and then at that point, well, yeah, the the first episode, it's a it's a different character. He's like a shut in who never has left his apartment. I think. Yes, and and that's also part of I think Mad About You's interpretation of the character as well. Because huh. then uh, Paul Reiser uh, isn't doesn't he live in uh, Jerry's apartment, and then he gave it to Jerry. Yeah. That's that's Friends universe or, uh, or or Mad About You technically universe uh, canon, but not Seinfeld canon. Because... Or as Krusty likes to call it, Mad About Jew. <laughs> uh, no, it's Shoe. Is... Mad About Shoe. Mad About Shoe. Yeah. Hey, no uh, tongue, baby. <laughs> it's the Big Ear family. I think that's that. When he hosted <laughs> SNL. Yep. <laughs> Oh, that was good. Little Susie cupcakes, and then it was like some kind of mortuary that was an subsidiary of Little, Su little Susie. That's, cupcakes. A, that's a totally different episode, I think. Was it? I don't. Re I don't remember. I, I think the Mad About Shoe is is from uh, 
when he was That's hosting just, SNL on on the uh, oh you're right Bart gets oh, yes. a bigger brother uh, big brother and the little Susie cupcakes is something to do with crusty like show or something like that that's right yeah i don't i don't remember do you want to talk do about remember? midnight run I don't, I don't really but let's talk about midnight run okay uh, we're in it so 94 oh, rotten tomatoes this might be martin breast i think his best uh reviewed film according to rotten tomatoes and um huh. martin oh, breast is are... literally oh. a, a amazing filmmaker beverly hills yeah. cop scent of a great woman movie. great movie midnight run Great movie. Um, and then things start to fall apart a little bit, right? It, ending with Geely. What was the one before Geely? Uh, uh, Mijo Black. Black, which is no yeah. Mijo Black is awesome. I, I think Mijo Black's a very good movie. It just uh, uh, it's just misinterpreted. A lot of people were expecting something and they didn't get it. I was expecting a movie where Brad Pitt was badass the whole movie and he died in the first scene. Um, spoiler for Mijo Black. He's but in the movie Martin after Rest that. Has though. a great pace to him. And I love his films. And, and like, okay, if you watch the first Beverly Hills Cop, yeah. it's not the comedy most people remember. Most people are remembering Beverly Hills Cop two, Tony Scott's movie, actually. When you watch Beverly Hills Cop, Noli is apparently slower, a big fan of Beverly Hills film. Cop three, by the way, because he he, he uh, Noli is apparently a very big fan of Beverly Hills Cop three because when we Great were America. telling our amusement park stories, for some reason he he decided that none of his stories, except for the one where he exposed himself at amusement park, uh, were worthy of telling. <laughs> so he told the story of uh, him being at uh, the the fake theme park for Beverly Hills Cop three. Children and women at the at, at Santa Cruz Beach Boardwalk, and I and as I have told many people, it was okay because he's beautiful. Yeah, he doesn't understand these things. But you get away with that when you're beautiful. Yeah. Well, Noli apparently watched Midnight Run for the first time uh, recently. He did, so he's probably the only person listening to this. Probably not. I don't think he even listens to us anymore. Yep. Probably. He does. He has probably to know true. the secret. Maybe. I don't know. Noli, are you listening? Noli, are you here? Noli, are you, you out there? Are you still in the quantum realm? Are you out there? Noli, can you hear me? <laughs> Yep. Martin Bress is great, though. I love his pace. I love Beverly Hills Cop. I think it's a great film. And um, I not I did not discover Midnight Run until way later in life. So I knew Charles Grodin, the reason why we're doing this, rest in peace, Charles Grodin. Um, I knew him from things like, like Beethoven yeah, and Clifford and Dave. And, like, so I married an axe murderer, like, in random cameos and that kind of shit. Like, I didn't – mostly Beethoven, realistically. Yeah. Um. I did not really know Charles Grodin as this kind of the guy that he is in Midnight Run, that kind of role, that kind of way of playing characters. I'm more used to him being either a side character, like a supporting, or screaming intensity, right? Like yeah. freaking the fuck out kind of thing, and I love that. And what I would normally fall in love, though, with Grodin was on Letterman. Uh, he would always show up on Letterman, and when he would interact with Dave, it would be like Timothy Oliphant and Conan. There was just this chemistry between Letterman and Grodin, and they would have this wonderful banter, this antipathy, antipathy, antipathy back and forth with each other, where they would literally like fucking jab each other and fuck with each other, and then you knew afterwards they just went out and had drinks and they had a fucking great time. Yeah, and he seems to be a likable. Like he he has friends and 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 people who like think he's a, a great guy. He was in Louis. He seems uh, like a great guy. Yeah, he was and, in the, but, some episodes of Louis. Oh, I didn't know that. I it was, so, it was Louis's doctor. He was Louis's doctor. That's like one of his last roles. 
Wait, uh, not a Louis Anderson thing. You're talking about Louis C.K. then, I guess. Louis C.K., yeah. Okay, because the TV show like Louis. Louis. TV show Louis, okay. Yeah, so Grodin, I just know, I just knew him as kind of like a hothead dad character that would scream. And with Letterman, I saw him much more tamed down and kind of a little bit more of his subtle humor. And that's what Midnight Run was. And it was recommended to me, actually, by somebody back at Name Redacted uh, that we used to work at, hmm. um, the Jewish editor, and um, not me. And he actually recommended it. And I then saw it. So it's probably about 2008-ish, I guess. And it blew me away. Like, I had no idea. Like, it was such a great pace. It was even then. Like, I mean, rewatching it even for today, it's like so much slower than the way shit is delivered today content-wise. But um, it's such this callback to like well it's not really a callback at the time it was it was this it's this great genre that we don't have anymore the road trip genre because no one wants a road trip like this and so there's no fantasy to the road trip so why the fuck make a road trip movie anymore the last time they did a big road trip film that i recall was due date yep that's and correct. It, it was literally just plane trains and automobiles essentially right yes and that's all these are they're just essentially all skins of different road trip films this one's um, unique this one's unique um it, this one's unique but it feels a little bit like planes trains automobiles mixed with blues brothers a little i guess a little bit um this this one is unique in that its performances and casting they are different characters whereas with with due date it's it's just you, you know who was it it was rob Dye jr and and uh, Jim, Zach. Zach Galifianakis, and you know who they were. They were obviously Robert Downey Jr., Steve and Martin, Steve and, Martin. And, and, and Belushi's Candy. As, and it's like, but the, with this, there's no clear, you know, parallels. These are kind of unique characters. De Niro is playing a character that only De Niro could have played because he's playing a De Niro character. Yep. And, and it's so I, it's Charles Grodin who like steals the show. I I, did, I sort of saw it in 2003 in film school. It was. A uh, 35 millimeter screening that this, this the school did, and we had I think Martin Brest was actually there, but he didn't talk what? for very long or say anything interesting. I think I left. I don't think I actually even listened to Martin Brest. He's bald. He's tall and bald, right? I don't remember what he looked like either. He looked, if I remember, he looks like Peyton Reed, and that's what even even more funny. Like I talked about this in the Amy and the Wasp podcast. I don't want to sidetrack too much, but yeah, uh, Amy and the Wasp like... podcast, I talked about how literally that movie reminded me of Midnight Run. Yeah. And, yes, and Peyton Reed, funny enough, I think looks a little bit like Martin Brest. Uh, I don't really remember. That was like one of the least interesting industry insiders nights we had. But um, and everybody was asking about Meet Joe Black. They all had questions about Meet Joe Black. All the questions were about Meet Joe Black. <laughs> and that's why I think I, I like I left to use the restroom, but just like I didn't, I didn't even think I came back. Um, but because uh, I, I mean, but I, I was I'd never even heard of Midnight Run, never even seen Midnight Run, didn't even know what was in it or what was going to happen. And I was blown away. I was like, holy shit, this is just a great movie that I missed that I completely missed. Yeah. Um, and I then like shortly after that had to write a term paper. And this is why we're doing this episode is because when we were talking about Charles Grodin dying, I texted that uh, Midnight Run is a structurally perfect uh movie and I even wrote a term paper about it and that term paper was you had to break down it was for a class called storytelling in film school where you it was all about three x structures and I did the paper on it was like a six seven page paper uh which I lost when an iMac died uh that broke down the three x structure however when I rewatched this movie I was like, I think I got the three. I mean, I got an A in the class, but I think I got the three act structure wrong because I had the three act structure as being 
the second act beginning when they get kicked off the plane because that's what sets off. Okay, now they have to do a road trip. Jesus, that's way early. That's like 20 minutes in. I think the second act actually (laughs) begins... Well, I I got the third act right. It's obviously... But that's clear. We're, We're... where De Niro loses Groden and, and uh, the other guy, Martin, has him. Uh, and, the third and act starts, I think, in the FBI office. Yeah, basically. On the phone call. But I think the second act actually begins when they they get kicked off the train and go to De Niro's ex-wife. and Because then it's Carr the, the rest of the way. Because that... Yeah, that, um... Technically speaking, like, the second act... Based on, based on... I was doing it based on what that professor... Uh, had explained the three act structure being no, he hadn't. He didn't even mention uh, Midnight Run. That was from a different oh, class. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I saw that movie. and was like, this has th- perfect, clear th- three act structure. And I was like, the second act is when the actual problem is presented. I, the first you get the stakes in the first act, and then you get the problem. The stakes are set up as clear that De Niro, he, this is enough money for him to open his restaurant. Will De Niro open his restaurant? Uh, then the problem uh, presents itself. The problem is he's got to get this guy from New York to L.A. without using an airplane. If they had stayed on the airplane, they just, it just would have been them on an airplane for four hours, and, and then the problem's over. The, the movie's over. So the problem uh, arises when they get kicked off the airplane. But then they're on the train for the next 15 minutes and they get kicked off the the train. So I'm not sure they if actually, off. yeah, uh, they, yeah, they jump off the train. No, they don't jump off. I mean, they, they jump off a few exits earlier or stations earlier to avoid the FBI. The FBI, at the FBI yeah. Station. I just watched this movie last night. Um, so I'm actually not sure if I got the three act structure right in my term paper, but uh, you know, I stand by it. Movies can have 20 minute first acts and, and one hour, second acts and 40 minute or 30 minute, Oh, third sure. acts and they usually aren't good movies though when they do that though well I, I midnight run is a good movie i don't know if it holds up i mean i definitely watching it the third time i was like eh, it's kind of boring but ever so often that that line would would, would come in where, where i was like oh right that's why i fucking love this movie for for, for ge- like genius little lines like that like two words for you shut the fuck up i was like ah that's mm-hmm. a funny line i mean a lot mm-hmm. of it's just that you know like de niro is now such a sad old man and charles groden's dead and martin brest is dead and yafet koto's dead and they're all mm-hmm. dead and dead we'll all, he's dead too we'll all be dead mm-hmm. someday joe pantolino he's alive i think he's alive he's dead i thought <laughs> they're all dead the curse of the midnight run i like that he, he was a 40 year old man for 30 years joe pantaleano Who, joe joe pantaleano or whatever yeah dude he was 19 at the time of filming of that movie no midnight <laughs> run i seriously doubt that <laughs> no that's real that's fucking real dude yeah he's, he's, joe pantaleano is a solid joey pants is a solid actor who has never who has had a career and has been in so many iconic movies and franchises and yet not once has he ever been the lead in anything it's really weird he's never been the main character in any movie except that uh, robot in the family movie <laughs> i think he's um he's kind of like the only male lead in bound right like the or the he's not the main character male. though he's the villain he's not the main character but he i think he's the only male lead right he, he, that is a, a high that and i guess memento are probably the highest up because he's like second build in memento yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Memento. Fuck yeah. He's great in that. Um, yeah. Groden's amazing in this. He definitely deserved his first Oscar win for best supporting actor for Midnight Run. Um, I think that like for sure because it's like everything. It's like his little. It's he his did. line deliveries. It's the way he like. He kind of is like playing everything so subtly in this in this 
you know, big 80s fucking road trip film with, you know, Robert De Niro acting like a, a fucking bounty hunter cop who's kind of you know, at his wit's end. And I love the smoking in the movie. You know what I got to love yeah. the, I, the most is that, like, when De Niro would freak the fuck out on the phone and he was around, you know, extras, whether they're in, like, a restaurant sequence, right, or uh, – FBI agent uh, or FBI office or you had Joe Pants in uh, the uh, Japanese or Chinese restaurant whatever it was at, at like the LA market and like they would scream into the phone you had extras actually interacting with the cast like the extras would be like what the fuck is going on like who's screaming into a phone like it was interactive there'd be a point when like um at the end of the movie when uh, Grodin and uh, De Niro get off the plane and he re-handcuffs uh, LAX, and he re-handcuffs uh, uh, Grodin at the gate as they're getting off the plane. Off the uh, and like people are bumping into them, kind of, and they're all like looking down at the hands, like, "What the fuck is this guy doing? He's, he's handcuffing somebody at the gate." Yeah. And like real-world expressions coming from the extras, I fucking love that. That means these extras were directed. They were told. Yeah, to I think I think the quality of extras in general has gone down as for sure. movies have, have moved. Well, now your extras aren't supposed to interact at all with the cast. So, like, other than Venom, which is the only thing that comes to my mind right now, extras like aren't there. Like, so literally, like you have people screaming at each other in a restaurant, and the extras are just like eating my meal. Isn't it nice and comfy in here? And it's quiet too. Num 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 num. But in Venom. He's freaking the fuck out, like, eating shit off of people's plates. And people are like, oh, it feels like Pretty Woman. You're like, oh, everyone's like, what the fuck? Ew. Yeah. He's getting in fucking lobster tanks. People are reacting to it. Like, that felt real. Like, they were interactive extras. And some of that must have been real because Tom was just doing that shit on set for Venom. Like, they were like, can we get him in the tank? I don't know. Can the tank even hold Tom Hardy? And they were like, real quickly, they're checking the I, I, tank yeah. out. <laughs> So talking about I love Venom. Extras. I mean, I love Venom, but this, <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm just talking about extras, and and we don't get that anymore. It's like a lost art, where because like you're lesser than than the talent now. So don't fucking interact with the talent. Don't even pretend like the talent exists. Just keep doing your shit. And literally in this movie, you have extras bumping into people and like bumping into De Niro and Grodin and looking at them weird and looking no, at Joe I'm sure, weird. I'm, it's, it's, I loved it. I'm sure there's a SAG after a rule change that calls uh, this this quality shift. And but it used to be that extras were people people who were acting and like were like, oh, you know, what's my character and who who am I? Where where am I going on the on the way to? And then gradually, uh, extras just became like, oh, this, this is your mark, Color. and then your second mark is there, and you walk from there to there. Do not fucking look at the camera. Do not fucking look at the the, the characters. Um, I think the worst extras I've ever seen in any movie or TV show. Uh, I, I, this is a very specific reference, so. Shocked if you'll, you'll remember what I'm talking about, but not perhaps the extras is uh, the Woodbury episodes <laughs> of The Walking Dead. During, right there. <laughs> During that, those episodes, <laughs> I hit that joint too hard. <laughs> I'll leave that in. I don't remember that episode. No, I don't. Well, it's several episodes. You, you, you don't remember the Woodbury arc from The Walking Dead season three? Oh, I thought there was like a Woodbury episode. No, I do remember the arcs. I mean, well. I never finished The Walking Dead, so I don't know the whole arc, but, um... Woodbury was the governor. You watched those seasons. Dude, I don't remember. Okay, Woodbury is the town that the governor... How far did I get in Walking Dead? I don't remember. Yeah, okay, the governor. Uh, yeah, okay, what about him? 
during in those episodes you always have andrea and michonne walking with like michael roker or the governor who was uh i forget the name of the actor um but yeah, uh i can't remember his name either uh david I, something right yeah uh i think that sounds right um but my, my point is that show for my mind my point is is that in every single shot there are just people walking in the background and they're walking from camera left to camera right or vice versa and there's no like where is that person going they're never doing anything or whatever they're just walking blankly it's like they're like people just said you're in the back walk like but they didn't like think of any reason and like in the context of the show there's no reason for them to be just walking around in open daylight except they're basically just set decoration they're, they're window dressing uh, and it, it, I, I found it so distracting like every time we're in Woodbury in The Walking Dead I'm looking at the extras being like that guy was standing still and then he started walking two seconds into the shot they're like NPCs. Yeah, it's like it, except except even in Red Dead and GTA Five, NPCs actually have like a real motive. Like you can follow an NPC in GTA Five in the story mode, and they will have a day on their own. Yeah, you can follow an NPC in fucking Red Dead too, and they'll go have a day where they'll go shopping, they'll go fucking maybe to like the movie theater, they'll go home. I've never done this, but sure. But no, the, the, my my point is that those people were just they weren't even real actors because they don't shoot in LA. They shoot in Atlanta or some, or outside of Atlanta. So they were just getting people, you know, who, who needed money for a hundred bucks for the day or whatever. And they just have them stand. There was no acting involved in those extras. They were in there. There was no uh, directing involved in them either because it's a TV show that shoots fast. So they just say, get in the background, walk. So you'd have like a woman like waving and she'd just literally be waving for 10, 20 minutes based on when they were filming. And it's like, who are you like waving to? Who are you waving to? Yeah, it's kind of like WandaVision where they're, they're just stuck. Worst extras I've ever seen. But let's not talk too much more about extras because we spent a lot of time talking about the extras in Midnight Run. No, that's and- a huge deal, dude. Like, seriously, like, I, like for me, that was a big deal. Like, watching this movie and seeing that, it, the movie felt real. The movie felt gritty. By the way, so I have this movie on DVD because I loved it when I saw it and I went and bought DVD version. Okay. I watched this on HBO Max. It is very weird to me. I watch most of my movies that are like 80s and 90s from DVDs, right? Mm-hmm. Or like not often Blu-rays, but maybe a Blu-ray here and there for like a very specific film. Like Batman, 1989, right? That I have that as a Blu-ray. Oh, I heard it's a but terrible watching Blu-ray. watching a movie like Beverly Hills Cop or Scent of a Woman or, or even this, Midnight Run... It is so weird seeing a film like this in pure fucking HD, HBO Max glory. Yeah. And it was so crisp, and it was such a great transfer. Yeah. It was, I was like, I was taken to a whole other world, so it felt like to me for the first time seeing it almost in a lot of ways. Seeing it in 5.1 awesome HD. Again, I actually saw it in 35 millimeter. It was an older yeah, print, crazy. but um, yeah, it was like, that, that was a... Uh... To see it like it was a brand new movie with a with an audience who like you know when you're with an, a, a movie theater audience even Different. if you're in getting class credit um you uh you laugh you react differently and i was also blown away because i thought the whole thing that made meet the parents so significant it was like oh robert de niro's finally doing comedy and it's like this is a comedy fucking 12 years before meet the parents that he's he's just it, and this is a straight up comedy it's an action comedy quote unquote yeah. but by today's standards like the action is 
pretty not good pretty minimal uh, it's yeah. not bad but i mean no but it's it's like not good when you call it an action comedy if you call this an action comedy today i'd be like wow what are you talking about you had one car chase with a helicopter like that was it like that's not action that's i mean beverly hills cop doesn't have too much action in it either i mean no but when you're dealing with like even even the first lethal weapon has like maybe one car chase in a, in a weird it's fight, a different time a weird very sexual fight at the very end in the Something rain. Something about lethal weapon though is darker, and I think that maybe lends itself to the action more. And lethal weapon is definitely a darker, little bit yes. more gun violence. No, in this there's a lot more association to violence to come rather than actual violence happening. Yeah, like I don't recall anything actually like anyone. Yeah, dying I mean, I guess movie. lethal weapon. It wasn't even really an action comedy. This was an action movie. It wasn't until two that it, they they were definitively action comedies. Yeah, Joe Pesci, yeah, yeah, Pesci, but in particular because because sure, Pesci's Pesci. character feels like he's from this world, Midnight Runs World, which is yeah. a you know fast talking sh- huckster. I mean that's basically Joe Pantoliano kind of plays. Um, Pesci is uh, feels to me like an executive note for the next movie. Like in the sequel, we need make a it funny, funny character yeah. friend. Yeah, but in this one, the 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 comedy is it's because uh, Groden's character is super dry. So and he's it, yep. like he like I said, he was the one who stole the movie for me because I I don't yeah same as you I only knew him through fucking that giant dog movie, Beethoven, uh, Beethoven then Beethoven second, yep. and possibly third. I don't know. Um, I don't know if he's in third though. I feel like third is with the way of Home Alone, where like Home Alone three is not even the same cast anymore. I, I, I do not know. But French uh, Stewart plays. Um, uh, Marv or whatever I think that's on one four. Oh, is that four? Okay yeah first Stewart's on in three Scarlett Johansson is uh, confusingly but uh, she's in Home Alone 3? she's in Home Alone 3 I think is the babysitter she's like 15 or 16 wild uh, but uh, yeah, she, she, she she's been around for a long time ScarJo we just don't oh, yeah. uh, we didn't really notice her until eight-legged man, freaks the uh, man who wasn't there? I think for me was the first time I noticed her. I noticed her in uh, not Most in the com- not, in, not in the in the company of men, but another movie that has company and maybe men in it that I can never remember the title of it. But it's got Topher Grace and uh, and Dennis uh, uh, whatever his name is. Come Quaid. men. Dennis Quaid. Uh, mm. uh, and it's uh, all right. Fuck. Now I gotta fucking. Dennis Scar Joe Quaid Topher Grace I think the island is the first In Good Company is the name of the movie What's it called? Uh, In Good Company Company? It was 2004 In Good Company and I will uh, Scarlett Johansson uh, see see what she looked like in that movie Yeah she was beginning I mean she she plays a college student she was probably 20-ish but the like, island, right? The island is is like your first time you got like wet to her, right? Uh, the island's definitely where we all realize what the potential of a Scarlett Johansson. Bay was. knew, man. Bay knows. Yeah, he put put her in white. That's a really smart choice. She's either in white or she's in black. You know, you got to put her in. You got to put oh, her in a hard color so you get the silhouette. There's this one out, uh, outfit she's in in a photo shoot. And her hair is getting blown back, and she's in like this like college sweater. It's like a white, yellow, green sweater with like white and yellow green socks, and it is so fucking hot. It is like one of the hottest photos of her of all time, in my opinion. Yeah. Have you seen it? 
I'm looking for it right now, but I, I'm, I'm not. Th- this is a vague enough description that I'm not going to be able to find. Oh, dude, it. she's like she's like topless under the sweater. I'll just give you the one of her her signing autographs. Oh, that's the best one ever. That dress is the best dress ever. Oh my god, it's so good. Oh my god. Yeah. Everyone loves that one because what's the meme? Oh, Scarlett Johansson is left-handed, but like nobody knows this because she's got those huge titties. Oh, I guess just don't play. This is these are all just still frames. What is this one? Ooh. It's not playing. I love that. Yeah, but that's a great one. Um, where she's uh wearing the red dress and uh, the even the reporter grabs her booby. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he gives her a little squeezy, squeezy. Here, Felk, I found the I found the uh, photo. I'll send it to you right now. Yeah, so she just said gifs. She, uh, there's no gifs because it's just like a photo shoot. Oh. Um, but uh, she uh, she's wearing like green little hot pants and everything like that. Oh my god, this is gonna fucking send you like a whole Google image. Hang on a second, let me do it right. <laughs> It's gonna send you this huge Google like link or Just whatever. Copy like, and paste. Impossible. I mean, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to send GIFs through Skype. I mean, you may not be able to, um, but you definitely can't send. Uh, oh yeah, of course. That that that's a GQ photo shoot. Yeah, that's like I'm saying. That's one of my favorite photos of all time of her for sure. Yeah. yeah Amazing. No. That would have been beautiful island-ish movie. time. No one beautiful to fuck in this movie. That's for sure. No, there is not a hot girl in this movie. There's barely a woman in this movie. This is a sausage fest of a film. It is, it is. Uh, I feel like nowadays you put a fucking chicken... I mean, definitely you'd have to have a chicken there. You can't have movies without women anymore. Wait, who's the girl, though, that they bring in? Is it a is it a waitress that they find at a diner? Or is it a female FBI agent? I think you just don't make this movie today. Oh my god! Yeah, probably a female a, FBI. A great... Yeah, probably a female FBI agent. That's play, play, think, played yeah. by like Lizzie Kaplan or something. Perfect, perfect. Has she and ever played an FBI? Oh yeah, she plays a she plays a CIA agent in that uh, killing uh, North Korea movie with uh, Seth Rogen. Oh yeah, the interview. Yeah. Yes, yeah. she's the honey pot See? or whatever they call her. I can't. I, I casted her without. I, I I was thinking of her her, her character from uh, various TV shows and movies. I don't really understand her. Is she a lesbian? I don't know, but I, she doesn't do it for me. She's all right. I She's don't find her entertaining or funny or uh, sexy. Like every, every, like I guess we're supposed to. I was gonna say like everyone else does, but at least like we're supposed to. Um, know. You know who I find sexy actually? Yafet Kodo. Fucking, I love him in yeah. this movie. I love him in anything he's in. I love him in fucking Live and Let Die. I love him in fucking Alien. Alien is his best role by far. Yes. I fucking love him. And mostly, I love him because of Alien. So I love him in everything else I see him in. I'm immediately just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love this guy. He's great. What? But, like, as a kid, I remember I was looking at the VHS cover of Alien at a friend's house. And the dad is like, Alien. That's one of those movies with Yafet Kodo in it, right? And I was like, who? And he goes, great actor. You'll know as soon as you see him. And then we put the VHS on, and I knew, I guess, who he was at that point because I assumed that the only guy with a name I couldn't understand was the black guy. It, <laughs> so, I mean, it, sounds, like, it sounds like a Japanese name, so uh, no, it I, does, I was, kind I was of, huh? thrown off by that. But uh, I love his name in this movie, though, Alonzo Mosley, like, and then what? I love that uh, Robert De Niro keeps playing himself off as Alonzo. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a running theme that people just use that name over and over again. And it just fucks him over. I love when he goes to that woman and he's like, 
He's like, I'm an FBI agent. My name is uh, Alonzo <sighs> Jack Walsh. She goes, that's not the name on the badge, sir. Do you want me to call the FBI or do you want to just pay cash? Yeah. <laughs> there are some parts of this movie where I was just like, this is a weird aside. Like when they uh, robbed that small town bar for like $60. That's a great scene. I love that scene. Well, it's funny. I mean, Charles Grodin makes it funny because he makes it work. But uh, he makes it work. It, it, th yeah. That is that is where like isn't that immoral though? I mean, you're crossing your own rules. And then at the he end, of course, is. it turns out that he's he's just got a belt full of thousand dollar bills. So yes, uh, he could have. My God, which was amazing, by the way, to be reminded that there were thousand dollar bills back in the day. Because I think as a kid, I saw the one with McKinley on. I think that's a five hundred dollar bill. Yeah. And I remember being like, "Wow, a five hundred dollar bill? That's insane!" Like thousand dollar bills. I forgot all about that. And so seeing that again, it was like, "That's right. They used to make those incredibly high currencies that were like which only could have been used in illegal shit, right? Like." Who would legally use a thousand dollar bill? Exactly. I, I, my my grandpa showed me the five hundred dollar bill, and it was a big moment of pride for him. Like, look at this, right? And like, yeah, but like, why would you have thousand dollar bills in cash other than like you were making some shady fucking deals? Yeah. I mean, you don't need them anymore. I don't think they have them anymore. No, because no, there's Bitcoin. Yeah, there's Bitcoin. Like yeah, exactly. Dogecoin. Yeah. Dog money. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, this movie I, I like. I like the way that like that scene plays out because I love movies where they successfully. It's very important you successfully do it, um, where you kind of stop the film and do something different. That's a little bit like that. I would say the best example of that, or, or the two best examples of that, are uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice, where all of a sudden you just go to the nightmare. And then the other time would be um, uh, okay. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou when all of a sudden you stop the movie to go save Jeff Goldblum's character from pirates. Like, those moments in films, if done successfully, are my fucking favorite things. And when you have that moment in this, I love it. I love the way he even asks the local behind the bar, you live around here? And you know, the guy's like, yep. And he's like, he's like the way he like, continues questioning people and asking people, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, are you red? He's like, yeah, I'm red. He goes, so what's your name? Your name's Red. He goes, no, my name's Bill or <laughs> whatever. My last name's Wood. You're like, it's just but the way he like continues. He goes, Thank you, Bill. Like he just wanted to say the guy's actual name, not say Red. Like the way he plays that scene is so wonderful. But I, I the one thing I never really get out of him is, and it really pisses me off every time I watch it. So I guess it's successful in that way is when Grodin's whole point in the beginning of the film is I can't fly planes. I have acrophobia or whatever no, the fuck what it was. Faking it. Aviary phobia, avia phobia, whatever it was. Um, and then like, yeah, he, he's actually perfectly fine with, with on planes. There's no issue. You can fly a plane even. And then you have like Robert De Niro's character, like forgive him so quickly for that lie and then later well he was, he's gonna die if, if he when he gets to the, the prison because he'll be I killed understand by the, why, the mob, but like yeah. the way that De Niro would forgive him so quickly but there's one time in particular even where they're getting on the train and then Groden's like in another life and he closes the, the door on uh, De Niro and De Niro can't get on the train and De Niro gets on the train flips over it somehow and gets on the other side of the door mm -hmm. and pops in and goes I'm here bitch yeah. and I'm thinking to myself like every time I see that scene I'm like he's gonna kill Groden here because he, <laughs> like, he, he would no like, he can't who wouldn't do he, that he, I think he needs him alive I think that's part of the, the, the deal he does yeah by the way does he? Because the other fucking guy, Marvin Dorfler, played by uh, John Ashton, he seemed like he was going to kill fucking Charles Grodin and drag him to dead body at one point. Well, because he, at that point, he doesn't, he, he's not trying to get him to the fucking warrant. He's trying to give him to the mobster, played by Dennis Farina, to, to have him kill him. 
Not in the train. In the train, he literally goes into the bathroom, opens the door. Groden's like on the toilet. He's like, what? And he's like, if you open your mouth, I'll fucking blow your brains out. Yeah. I and guess, that's like right, before he's working for the mob. At that point. I, mean, I love that guy, by the way. You John don't typically Ashton, get dead Deadpool's or alive cop. warrants unless the person's wanted for like murder or something. And certainly not if, if the FBI wants the guy as an informer to take down a mob. Yes. <laughs> uh, take down the mob. Yeah. So then he's useless dead. This is all pre Bush before like he like Bush uh, got Homeland Security to tighten all those different, you know, departments up and everyone, all the different agencies to pay attention to each other. So, I mean, there's some reality there back then. Like, people just did not communicate to each other then. No, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, all. I mean, I, 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 like, why would this even be a conflict? Like, wouldn't the FBI yep. <laughs> wanting him as a as an informer supersede the L.A. court warrant against him? Like, why, yes, why would that still would. be? Why would Federal that still be Trump there? Shouldn't they? Shouldn't they fucking? Shouldn't yeah. they just call the judge and be like, "Yeah, we need this guy alive," and right now there's a dipshit uh, bounty hunter trying to take him across country. 88 man 1988 dude I mean it's Defense it's very Trump 1988 Trump the, fucking local but didn't matter then LA this is also a movie like like obviously there's those cell phones like when somebody makes a phone call at a diner and they'll be like alright in, in 8 hours I'll be in this town and then I'll call you it's like now you're just texting like where are you <laughs> text yeah. text text every can't fucking be five minutes late to a podcast you're always five minutes late too without you texting me are you are you coming on are you coming on it's like <laughs> you man, ready yet you, the fuck you are should you? you should not be able to contact me between these two fucking episodes between each episode like that that should be the only way we're able to to contact it's like you had to be at home at 5 p.m to get the call from the guy Old school who style, knew baby. when you were at home you couldn't be out you couldn't be yep. at radio shack you could be at yep. a movie. They, they'd have they'd have no way of contacting you. You wouldn't find out for six hours that your wife was dead or something like that. Or and if that, you expected a phone call, you couldn't leave your home for hours on end until that phone call happened because if you stepped out and that yeah, phone rang, that's Seinfeld. That's the you know fighting over a payphone. It's like these are different yep. times. Way different times. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's kind of a nice breath of fresh air. The idea that like you can't be reached at, at a moment's notice, or that like like today if you were a bounty hunter working for a bail bond i'm pretty sure they would track your gps through find my friends you know what i mean yeah. like they would know where you were at all times with the suspect with the fucking you know with the actual contract with the bounty i remember at one point you and nolan had the ability to like find each other and i was like i'm not granting you i think i still can ability. i bet I don't, you I don't have my phone on me but i think i still can i think i can tell you where nolan is right now <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's at a strip club. Um, I can tell you live on air where Nolan is. <laughs> I mean, we can't. <laughs> say that no, we it. shouldn't. Plus, he wouldn't be live on air on Friday when this drops, which would be great if he was, and then someone found him. He said his house. I just gave you his house address on live on air. Oh, my God. He's so fucked up. <laughs> I don't actually know where his – I don't even know. I mean, I know the city, but I don't, know, I, I don't, I don't know where his house is. I've never been there. I've seen its I closet. think he said the city a bunch of uh, in old episodes, didn't he? You Probably. Say, like, where he actually lived? Probably, but let's not say it now as he's no longer. No, no, show. fuck not. Oh no, that's on him. If he wants to say that shit, he can say that all he wants. But uh, yeah, no, I, I never. I don't. I don't actually know where he, he, he lives, and I think he wants it that way. I think it's probably for the best. <laughs> yes, I don't think he wants to be. And we definitely shouldn't call him on the podcast unannounced <laughs> because we know that doesn't work out very well either. <laughs> What was that call? Cool Boys call, call out or something? Yeah, that was during the early pandemic days. And we're, just, uh, we're checking in on our friends, and he didn't want to be on the podcast still then. Nobody fucking answered except Steve. <laughs> and then the next night when we prepped everybody, uh, people were still like, didn't answer. 
Yeah, Andy or something, right? I think you had Andy. You were texting him, and and, and we were like, "We're gonna call you now." Me. He's like, "Cool." And then you, we you we call him, and he doesn't pick up. And then you text him again, and he doesn't answer. And then the next day, he texted you like, "I fell asleep." No, he texted me like one in the morning, like, "Hey, man, I fell asleep on the couch. You guys still recording?" And I was like, "Nope, we're done." Yeah, I'm envious of people who can do that, who can just like fall in and out of sleep, fall asleep yeah. in movies, fall asleep on on drives. I can only it. fall asleep in very specific circumstances, and uh, yeah, no, we called, we talked, I, I, I texted Corey like, "Hey, we called you last night. That was us. We're gonna do it again. As a, <laughs> try again for the Colin show." And he's like, "Okay, cool," and then fucking didn't answer. Is like, uh, well, he showed up for two hundred, which is nice. Yeah, no one didn't. Ha. Andy did it. Uh, Andy also slept through two hundred as well. Who showed up? Corey showed up. Doran obviously showed up. Steve showed up, but then left five minutes in because he wasn't willing to watch Milo and Otis. Even he though he was going to leave regardless, I feel like. Yeah, that's probably a good. Well, as soon as we started showing him something, he was just like, "I am too suspicious, and <laughs> I don't trust, trust you." Even though we, it was just yeah. a file of and Milo then, and Otis, and then he reached out to Dorn to actually find out what happened live because the way I cut the episode, it seems like we went straight from Steve leaving into Milo and Otis. And and there's no reality that like there's a five minute down period where we we're just talking to people and you were like quickly switching files around to do the file that we originally were intending, but then we did. Yeah, that, was, that should have made the air, especially you you telling me like we should we should stop this because Steve left and you know restart it. Wink, wink, wink. Because yeah, yeah. the winking yeah, was telling me to. It's to... too convoluted if you're not literally Felker or Ballard understanding like what's actually happening. No, I understand why you did it, but I, I also understand why that created problems <laughs> with Steve's interpretation of the. I don't give a fuck that game gave issues with Steve. I love that he reached out the door secretly, and you know what? They're better friends now, apparently. <laughs> so that's great. They are they are they only friends through you, or do you, they they know each other before you? No, no, they know each other because of me. No, and now they might be better friends than I am with both of them no. <laughs> because of because of Batman Beyond. All because Dorn doesn't like Ballard on Batman Beyond, and he likes Steve, and he doesn't like how I treat Steve on that show. Yeah, I remember him saying that. That's not fun. That's not fun to me, Dorn. I like messing with Steve. Now I feel guilty as fuck. No. Anyways, don't do that shit to me. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just quit the I'm show. I already <laughs> am. What? I've never stopped. No, you, you never, you, you, you've never done the, the, the weird shit that you get away with on that show. On this show, I'll stop it. I'll stop it from happening. The full narrative season narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just. We're not having fictional characters. Or dying. <laughs> just dying in general. I let you get away with your retired pizza delivery bullshit because uh, you actually did deliver pizzas, so there is at least some truth in that. But you were never in Mexico uh, wanted by the federales for smuggling cocaine or whatever the fuck happened on (laughs) on Batman and Beyond. Delivery. No, Columbia. (laughs) Columbia. Okay. Because the Colombian Sicarios killed Ballard in the end. Aren't Aren't they from Mexico in Sicario? No, Sicarios are Colombian. Hmm. I thought it means Sicarios hitmen in are Spanish. Colombian hitmen. I thought it just means hitman in Spanish. No, it's a Colombian hitman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sicario. Yeah, because um I never seen what's the his face? One. It's the Sicario in Sicario. Um Benicio del Toro. Uh, Benicio del Toro, because he's from Colombia. Okay. 
That's why. I've seen the first one. I didn't see the second one. Second one's not bad, actually. I you know I think the second one doesn't get a good a good uh, review and a good liking by the mass public because it's it's a pretty pro Trump film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. So you probably wouldn't like that actually. No. You're yeah. Not really. Uh, you don't like Trump, I don't think. Yeah. That's that's been. Like you probably don't agree with the fact that maybe terrorists were trying to smuggle themselves in with fucking Mexican like you know. Coyotes and things like that. Bad hombres, Ballard. They're bad hombres. You're fucking Biden, bro, dude. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Biden's. Felk loves Biden and Kamala. Biden's great. He's. Wait, wait. I said Kamala's name wrong. That's how. That's how much of a Trump person I am. (laughs) Yeah, she's gonna get you. It's. It's. It is racist and sexist to pronounce it Kamala. It's Kamala. What is it? It's Kamala. 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 Mama. Mama Kamala. That's how you gotta say it, right? Yeah. Mama Kamala. It's, doc- it it's Dr. Jill Biden. Like don't, Rosario Dawson's? don't ever say Jill Biden and don't ever say First Lady Jill Biden. It's 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 First Lady Doctor. Dr. Jill Biden or just Dr. Jill Biden or First Dr. Biden. <laughs> I've literally I've never heard her announced as uh, First Lady. I've only heard her re- referred to as First Lady by Joe Biden. Uh, every time I hear her announced, she's referred to as Dr. Jill Biden. And I'm like, <laughs> wow. I love I love people who are like you know work really hard at, at school to become doctors, but like I feel like in a pandemic you shouldn't say you're a doctor if you're not a real medical doctor. No, no, and you certainly That's shouldn't all. chastise others for for making fun not of the fact pandemic. that you go a doctor. Yeah, no. not a pandemic. You shouldn't pretend to be a doctor. That's all I'm saying. Neither should doctor. Like Fauci. I'm all I'm all good that Colbert thinks he's a doctor. Like good good on you, Colbert. You're a doctor, sure, whatever. You're doctorate in whatever the fuck you're a doctorate in. I don't think you should do surgery on me or help me with COVID advice. I don't think I don't think Joe <laughs> Biden's trying to perform surgery on anybody. But no, she definitely is but trying to get the prestige that comes with being a medical doctor. Of the label used during a campaigning during a pandemic that felt a little false to me. Yeah, well, it was one of the dumb bitches on the fucking View who was like, "She'd be a great Surgeon General," and I think Megan McCain's like, "I think she's not a medical doctor." She's not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's like, oh, okay. Well, then she should be Secretary of Education. <laughs> it's like, how about she just shut the fuck up? <laughs> because nobody really gives a shit about. What Joe Biden has to say, or Joe Biden has to say, for that matter. I mean, the Democratic Party sure as fuck doesn't. They'll just do their own thing, and he'll continue to talk semi-coherently. But we're in a fucking weird world, man. Dude, all you got to do is boost him and juice him, and he can fucking do whatever he needs to do. <laughs> yeah, they, Just boosting him and juicing him. Adderall wears off, uh, and it, it stops being as effective when you have to take it multiple times. That's why they got to save it. That's why they can only do three fucking, uh, or two, de- I mean two debates instead of three. Because it's like, How many thir- presidents do you think get boosted and juiced? What, for, for cognitive reasons? Boosted yeah, and juiced? Like, I mean, you know, what the hell does I that mean? You mean you just give him a, give anything. him a, give him a cognitive give him a presidential drug? cocktail every day. Like, do you th- I mean, honestly, do you think Trump got it? Do you think Obama got it? Trump sure as fuck did not get it. He didn't need it. He fucked the model it. every night. Uh, no, no, I don't think that's what it is for. I think it's like just to make you like a fucking like fucking superhuman dude. Like, I think they gave him like super serums. No, no I, I don't. I don't think Trump does any cognitive drugs. I really don't. I, I genuinely believe it's just a, a, a life of fucking being. Rich, eating gold, eating McDonald's, fucking models, fucking, uh, whatever, you know, America's 
Miss American, every single Miss American contestant. Miss I think it just baby. gives you fucking a, a massive amount of energy. I don't think any, uh, I, I think Biden and then probably, I guess Reagan in the later years probably. I was going to say, I think it started with Reagan. I think they started boosting and juicing presidents in the, with Reagan and they fucking have been perfecting the serum and the cocktail. And you don't need to be like, you know, senile or or lacking in wit or even in intelligence to get boosted and juiced. I think they're just probably doing it regardless because you're fucking president, baby. They got the secret juice. They got the fucking gummy berry juice and they're fucking giving it to you. Okay. Because why not? Like fucking give you the fucking shit that doesn't give you cancer for four years. Give you the shit that doesn't fucking kill you in four years where you're fucking boosted and juiced up. Not necessarily like steroided. I think it's just like maybe some steroids too. Honestly, I don't know. Jimmy Why Carter's not? still alive, apparently. I was like, wait. Yeah, dude. I, I remember him dying. You do remember him dying? Yeah, I do. Mandela effect style. Oh my god, that's crazy. All right, here's a here's a Mandela effect style for you. Is it monkey vomit green or monkey vomit yellow? I have no idea what either of those things are. It's a color, a Crayola color that used to exist. And I remember it as monkey vomit green, but I think it's now monkey vomit yellow, but now it's gone. I don't think that's a Mandela TV. effect thing. I think that's just you. Uh, that's just me? That's just you remembering a specific crayon. I don't think that, that crayon, either of those crayons are part of public consciousness. I don't think any crayon colors are, except maybe flesh, because that's, of course, extremely controversial Indian, now. Indian red? Indian red was a big deal. They had to remove it. Okay, that one too, then. Do you remember Indian Red? I do not remember any Crayola colors. No. See, your whole Crayola fucking it. You're you, you're not you're not good for. I use colored pencils. I I I went to uh, actual like art school supplies pencils. when I was like four or five. I didn't use crayons. You know why you get crayons is because the the person giving you a crayon is thinks you're too dumb to not jam a pencil in your eye. Now, as a parent, there probably is an age at which this is an actual legitimate concern that you don't want to hand a child <laughs> something as sharp as a pencil, so you give them a crayon, right? Yeah, but um, sure. no, I mean, with me, I I, I got uh, I got actual like drawing tools, and I was drawing at a young age. Can't draw very well now. Bothers me that Noli can draw. He shouldn't be able to draw and be handsome. <laughs> How does Noli draw? He draws okay. He draws like little cartoon characters. He he has like an animation style. Oh yeah, yeah. He has a little. Yeah, he does. He should do a fucking kids book. That'd be great. A kids book about big guns too. Yeah, I don't think Noli should do anything for children. I I, I think Noli <laughs> has Noli has to. He can't write anything without like fucking by the second page a character's going like I got a big dick and the next character goes I'm gay <laughs> like that's that's all <laughs> sounds all. like a great story honestly <laughs> that sounds like a story that I can get behind like that's how many one-liners end with like do you like these balls they're mine now or I, I don't like your <laughs> cock well I do it's like always something like that it's, 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 it's <laughs> you can't write a kid's book Wait, what was that last one? I'm gonna suck your cock. No, but I'll like, do it. Do you? Do you? Do you? That's you, right? That's that sex says like, do you like your dick? And the guy says yes. And he goes, I don't. You said, or was that was that was that no? No, no. Sex says, are these your balls? That was when you had right. Are these your balls? They're mine now. You said that to the Jewish editor, right? Yeah, that's that's fucking dogs eat it probably too much. <laughs> uh, but uh. Okay. <laughs> Some, nobody's <laughs> going to fucking connect those dots, man. Uh, if you want to, 
Anyone who's listening to this? No, that's Sergio Serrano says, do you like your dick? I don't. And he blows up a guy's dick or something. It's always something about, it's always taking dicks or taking balls. My favorite, my favorite line was, um, write a kid's book. Suck my cock, <laughs> cocksucker. Mm. <laughs> I love that. Is that and you? I, that's uh, your, that, that's from sex one, right? Or sex two. But I think that, I mean, I don't, I, honestly, all those names are like, or all those, uh, uh, one liners were like so many different people's and like versions of them. Who knows if it was mine. I got them. I have all those. I mean, they're on YouTube, but I have them all on my Plex server and in, in the Ballard. I folder. think I did come up with uh suck my cock cock sucker. I think I did come up with that, but I mean, who knows? I may have, it may have started off somewhere else and it got twisted. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that's just, it's just, yeah, those are great. Those are great lines. I think, those are, I think that's great dialogue. <laughs> Honestly, shooting somebody and yelling hi yah. It's like one of my favorite things of all fucking time. There's just a lot of and that, dick re- and, and cock related. Wait, who? Wh- when is the the villain uh, overtly gay? That's not that. That must have been in, oh, in dude, Sergius. Yes, Sergius Rado. That's, okay, that, okay, that's a couple. That's Badges of Steel three, kind of even. Yeah. Um No, that's really uh, that's Arma Perfecta, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, because yeah, no, I. The first villain was obviously one editor who we, who might be Cool Boy Larry. Then the second villain was <laughs> may or may not be an, another editor who may or may not have affected Suicide Squad. And then the third one, you That's and true. Noli oh talked God, to me true. about letting me be the third villain. And, and and there was a one conversation. I'm like, I'm interested in doing that. And they're like, No, you got to understand what a commitment this is. You got to do everything we say without questioning it. You got to fucking be willing to like take sure. our calls and like come over at like eight in the morning if we, if we need it. And I'm like, I guess I'll do this. And then you moved <laughs> to up north, and and that movie and ended it. That movie didn't oh. happen. And then obviously, I when shot it finally, your chance into the ground. Yeah, <laughs> I screwed you. And then when it did happen, it had become a, a totally different thing. And 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 Noli awkwardly was wedging in his own character, uh, along with uh, John Sachs, even though that uh, totally it didn't it didn't quite work right <laughs> i mean i what, guess serrano and sex being the same thing yeah yeah i loved it oh my god in fact i just pitched to noli this idea that what if serrano and sex and this other person i don't want to get into it were triplets <laughs> i guess uh, no that would be amazing if sergio and john were brothers they just didn't know it but you find that out in the next film like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought the whole thing was that like John Sex was like from like the '90s grindhouse era or something, and then Sergio was from like the, the '70s and, and like no, Mexican John film. Sex is is a is a amalgamation of so many different eras. I mean, he's he's Bronson in a lot of ways. I mean, Charles Bronson. Yeah, Charles Bronson. Yeah, yeah. Um, Death Wish. Uh, in in some ways, he's 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 Murdoch. Or sorry, no, he's Riggs. Yeah. Um, in in a lot of ways too, um, and Murdoch. Who else is he? He's a little bit Danny McBride. Yeah, who I think you ways. yeah you you were talking about is like your dream casting. I think yeah, I think Danny was always gonna would have been a good. I mean, they fucking were making that uh, at one point. It was called uh, LAPI, hmm. and it was a movie in which uh, Danny McBride would have played an LA private investigator who was like a no-nonsense guy, and it was essentially Danny McBride being John Sex, and I was actually excited when I heard that. Um, I remember when Nolan and I saw MacGruber, 
And we were just like, holy shit, like how many lines we wrote into our sex script for the movie mm-hmm. were literally in MacGruber. And like not saying like they stole, like just like, you know, we wrote the same fucking jokes, that's all. And uh that blew me away. Especially the sex joke. The uh actual fucking joke, the sex the sexual intercourse joke where like we had written a joke where the beginning is very, you know, take my breath away, Top Gun, in which sex starts having sex with, you know, the woman in the scene. And um, and then it would do this wide cut to all of a sudden raw sex, no edits. And it would just be like really hardcore pounding and gross looking and missionary. And most of that honestly came from my own like recording of sex one time when I filmed myself banging somebody all consensual. <laughs> All consensual. Oh, good. Like I, I, I'm glad. Not like Dennis. You didn't film um, and, But I saw myself banging. And I went, oh, my God. It's not as beautiful. Anyways, so that joke came to me for the sex script, so I wrote it in there. And then we went both saw McGruber, and that joke's in McGruber. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my God. They literally did it's the also in the Reno 911 movie, too. Uh, so, the, the, I mean, it's kind of an inverse of it. But, like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and and uh, I'm sure there was... There was a feature in there, probably. Uh, we wrote, I think, about eighty pages. So we wrote uh, what we wanted to make like a, a slightly eighty style film, where it would have been like about an eighty minute rough movie, yeah, for an action film. I mean, it's, action it's, films it's, in the eighties were like eighty like, minutes. Yeah, Black Dynamite is, is another example of like this is great for fucking fifteen minutes, but like it didn't have enough to stretch out to ninety minutes. Uh, well, no, the thing is, is that. The first 45 minutes of Black Dynamite is like gold, like fucking diamonds. Yeah, it's, it, it's a wall hard, and it's not funny for like 30 yes. minutes. And then it's the second act where the movie has to become a movie. Yeah. And and you're halfway through the second act, and you're like, okay, now we're really doing a movie now. And then the third act where it goes all the way to the top to the White House, like where it's still good, and there's still great jokes, but like – it's, you have it never recovers. Fatigue. It never recovers, and that that's that, no, that would be the fatigue. This... I think it's the fatigue at that point. Yeah, of like okay, the absurdity has gone too long. Well, because the, the, a lot of the jokes are like mistakes in filmmaking, like continuity stuff. Correct. You can't. That's funny for like 15, 20 minutes, and then it's just like okay, bad well, like punch in zooms and stuff like that. Yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, and, and then they have other stuff to to do in the openings, but after a while, it runs its course. That that was the the problem. I thought that the sex movie. Hitting, expanding that to 80 to 90 pages, you would have had the same problem yeah. where... Dude, not many people master that skill. I mean, honestly, if you tough. think about it, there's a person named Jerry Zucker, a man named David Zucker, and another person named Jim Abraham, and they fucking mastered it for a 90-minute fucking feature. And outside of them, there's not too many people that can pull that level of absurdity and 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 lampoon and parody for that long a period of time and actually keep you going. And what does airplane have that maintains its level of continued absurdity? It's the fact that you are more than halfway through the film when Lloyd Bridges enters the film. That's yeah. You are in the third act by the time Robert Stack shows up in the film. It's the fact that they keep introducing these wild characters. Yeah constantly throughout the film so that like each time you get to the third act you're like oh new character who the fuck's this guy you know so like you you want to know well, more you're other, following a new person the other thing that movie has going for it is that it's it, it's just a remake essentially of a, like a 1961 or zero something hour. yeah zero hour even though everyone thought it was a parody I mean it was a parody of the airport movies a little bit it was no it was it was very overtly a parody of the airport movies but um they, they took the 
they, they realized that they needed an actual structure to put their jokes on and yep. bought it a pre-existing script to remake it and then just made, made scary movie just put right? them, scary movie literally just took scream script and just redid it and like well yeah lots of movies some da- some lots of movies do that but then th- that movie has all kinds of weird like pop culture references and stuff scary movies not bad the first one's not bad I love uh, it. The second one is genuinely bad. The scary movie has like six to eight different fucking screenwriters, and it's a combination of three different films. So they just yes. took the best parts of each they film. Ju- they just, yeah. And, and some of those jokes were from the, the Seltzberg and whatever the other guy was right. who, and then were like, we wrote a scary movie. And like, yeah, you didn't, though. The Wayans are the ones who actually made it funny. Yeah, the you, improv. Yeah. And, and you guys just kind of did punch they bought up. your script. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very specific skill. The same thing with true with the first, at least the first two uh, Naked Gun movies is that they're they're just taking a legitimate like cop movie plot and then yep. using it as a as as a means to have all these these jokes. Whereas yeah, but sex was never a spoof to me. You never had wacky that kind of wacky shit. You were you were more going with the tone that Black Dynamite did, where you're at least staying consistent within the the logic genre. of the movie yeah or, or of the genre specifically yeah you don't, you don't have absurd you know giant condom gags or uh just super wacky shit happening um yeah in fact i think when maybe we you would have written the movie for sex not to, i don't want to get into any real things because i know noli wants to keep some of that secret but like so i mean telling you the sex joke may have been too secret. much and i apologize if that's the case noli but i won't say specific details but going Secrets. into the third act of of the sex film we literally were referencing tango and cash and things huh. like that like we did we did think about that i need to rewatch tango and cash. when it came to it sorry what i need to rewatch tango and cash i don't have that it's much not of a memory as good as you remember but it's okay well neither was midnight run but maybe it was just because it was the third time i had seen it and, and uh also uh, just d- midnight run holds up probably better to be honest I don't know. I, I mean, I have to watch Tango and Cash and see. Maybe it's on HBO Max too. Tango and Cash has a sequence right where you're introduced both Tango and Cash in their different, you know, ways of policing. And when you get to Kurt Russell and he gets this whole sequence where he's wearing this white tank top and all of a sudden he gets shot by a shotgun and you're like, oh, he's dead. And then he pulls out a giant body armor from underneath this white tank top. And it's his introduction sequence. You're like, dude, that was not under your shirt, that whole fucking scene. I can see your nipples. Or like previously. Like there was nothing blocking that. Like that to me is like the level of absurdity that Tango and Cash is. But the thing about Tango and Cash is it's self-referential. Like the way they they bring the cops and they put them into jail and they got to break out of jail, you know, to track down the villains and get the scoop. That's That's all very tongue-in-cheek and like the same way face-off is and the way that like you know nick cage uh or not nick, uh, it's very confusing to talk about face-off the way john travolta's character puts on nick cage's face and then goes to the fucking jail as nick cage yeah that like that that level of stupidity yeah that's that's actually interesting to, to compare those two because that movie also like it sensibly face-off i mean takes place in the regular world that we know and and uh 
Travolta uh, initial character is a FBI agent and it's like the villain's a arms dealer and he's planting bombs all right and then all of a sudden there's a fucking super advanced super max prison there's like the raft basically the or, raft yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah really that exists uh in this world for like comic book villains and uses magnets and stuff and it's like but also there's like it's like the, the first thing that's introduced obviously is the face swapping technology which is well mm -hmm. beyond medicine at that point that we we know of uh and then there's the super prison and then that's it after they got off the super prison no other sci-fi shit comes into play yeah it's all toned down immediately it's 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 very weird and in tango and cash correct me if i'm wrong but there's no sci-fi shit in the movie and then the third act there's like a, a giant mech uh tank thing that they get they just no get. not mech not mech but yeah yes there is like a whole deal with like it's like an alien dropship thing up, yeah like, trucks and tanks and things like that yes like it's construction yes a construction yard yes it goes into the vague sci-fi in the third act for but no not reason. Not like Face Off does, though. No, Face Off. Face Off owns literally a has a st stops the movie and, and not in a good way, and becomes the fortress all of a sudden. And I literally was watching it. And I'm like, wait, is Christopher Lambert going to show up all of a sudden in this sequence? Like, this feels like the fucking fortress right now. Like, what is going on here? This is like a supermax to like the nth degree i, I guess i mean like i think that. they were implying that yes this is the world that you know it's just that like the government has like medical War. technology that you don't know about and also there's secret super True. prisons for the the worst criminals that you don't know about i True. mean yeah i'm sure yeah maybe there always was maybe there was a gitmo before there was a gitmo. i think that's all probably true <laughs> maybe i mean not really John Woo knows we know about gitmo now Guantanamo bay and it's like doesn't seem like yeah. they have fucking magnet boots there man it seems like they have Mm -hmm. basic technologies that's the fortress to me though that's like the fortress have you ever seen the fortress uh no it's an old christopher lambert film from the 80s yeah in which he's um taken to prison and they put like little things in your head like suicide squad where your whole or oh no maybe you're wearing a, a collar and your head explodes essentially if you're if you're act out of line and you try to escape and everyone's in this giant prison fortress cave underground well they were and, they were and the criminals in, in run suicide themselves oh, no, in no, a lot of ways they inject it in suicide squad because that's also in escape yes. from new york which is yes throwing me off the fortress is great it's a super old film from the 80s that is like a nice little slumber party type film i would say um oh cuz yeah and, in, the, but, in the james gunn one i think they're wearing collars which is comic accurate because it's not injections in the comics. I think they all have to wear these collars that could blow their heads off. But maybe that was too violent, or Will Smith or was like, good. I am not wearing a collar, sorry. And they're like, but yeah, it's you, you won't even feel it because you have to wear a mask. He's like, I'm not wearing a mask. It's like, the character wears a mask. But Will Smith doesn't wear a mask. You don't... so weird to cast Will Smith. By the way, there. I just saw this fucking interview with Will Smith with BBC from like, oh, uh, dude, it was a while ago, like, Oh, 2008? No, it could have been 2008. It was like 16, 17 maybe. And he's talking about how he's getting this tour through the White House with his son and uh, his family with for Ob with Obama. And then Obama talks about, even then, about the aliens. He goes, because his son Jaden wants to ask about aliens. He like tells Jaden, like, don't you dare talk about the fucking aliens with Obama. Mm -hmm. and, he, and eventually Jaden comes up to him in the situation room. He goes, Dad, I'm going to ask him what's my punishment. He's like, don't you dare talk, tell, ask him about the aliens. And then Jaden's like, Mr. President, I want to ask you a question. And apparently Obama cuts him off and he goes, aliens, right? 
And like Will and Jaden are like shocked. And he goes, and he goes, well, let me tell you this. I can't tell you whether I can, you know, confirm nor deny the existence of aliens. But I can tell you, is if we ever had a conversation about them, uh, allegedly, it would have allegedly happened in this room right where you're standing. And so of course you, Will Smith and Jaden, like ah, and this is years ago. And then and then the, the, the uh, BBC host is like. He's like, oh my God, Will, you should have followed up with him. Like, or did you ever punish your son? And he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, I did punish my son. But, but yeah, yeah I'm bullshit. Jaden Smith has never been punished. No, he's in not. His life. He did not get punished. And, and he's joking, right? He's like, he's like, he's like, he's only on, you know, month one of uh, a nine month punishment or some shit like that. But he goes, because, but this is the most telling part. Where Will Smith goes, dude, you don't think I could tell you right now? He's looking at the host. He goes, you don't think I could tell you some shit right now? I have been sworn to secrecy. You don't think the act, the level of access I have had making movies that I don't know some shit? And I'm just thinking to myself, like, literally, Michael Bay knows. Michael Bay knows. <laughs> I'm just thinking that, listening to that. Yeah, that Will Smith okay, if, if Michael Bay knows, then Will Smith knows. Will Smith presumably. knows. I mean, Will Smith, obviously, he, he has experience with alien movies. I mean, that was kind of what yeah, he became. Yeah, Men in Black, right? Yeah, Men in Black and Independence Day have kind of made him famous. So you associate Will Smith with aliens in, in movies. Um, I don't think he's qualified to deal with actual alien situations Arnold might be just because he was actually governor and also he, he yeah I mean well wait other than predators alien what aliens is Arnold fought it's just the predator right oh yeah think about that I guess it is only the predator right because everything else is a as a human yeah I just associate him with sci-fi technology but they're not aliens no, there are Martians. They're mutants in Total Recall. There's no aliens in the movie, right? No, no. There's just Martians that are mutated. The Mar okay, I mean, humans that are mutated. Yeah, yeah, Mars, yeah. The, uh, the, the Martians are dead, right? Like, yep. The Sixth Sense. Uh, it's it's just cloning, right? Um, sixth day, or Sixth Day, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just cloning. Cloning. There's no aliens. Um, what else is there that's sci-fi sci for him? I don't. I think I'm it's on a blank. Well, obviously Terminator, but uh, there's no aliens there either. Um, Again, that's just time travel and uh, cyborgs, right? Yeah. Or androids, excuse me. Yeah, I think or that's the only alien it. he's fought. So Will Smith has dealt with aliens more than Arnold. Yep. I guess that's. I still think Arnold's more qualified, just because sci-fi. Like, if you can deal with robots, even though he was one, obviously, you can deal with that. You can. He he went to Mars. He. he I don't know. I don't know who should be our ambassador if the aliens ever come. It should not be Obama. And as or much as Clooney. I much as I like Trump, it shouldn't. It really should not be Trump. And I don't know that they. I mean, whatever they told Obama, they told Trump half of it. Uh, they they did not. Uh, there's no there's no way they were telling Trump the whole thing. Despite with that uh, Israeli guy whose name you can't pronounce or can finally pronounce. Uh, you know, said uh, like, Heim. you know, he, tr tr Trump heard about the aliens, the intergalactic federation. And he's like, we should join the interactive federation. We should, we should join it. It'll be the best. I wish I could do a good Trump impersonation. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be the best, the best <laughs> intergalactic federation. And the aliens were like, nah, we're not going to let you join. Or somebody told him, no, we're not going to let you join it. And it's Illuminati. Like, like, that sounds kind of, I, I don't entirely buy this <laughs> this 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 source even though he was a high-ranking Israeli uh, intelligence officer I guess oh yeah you started this whole thing off like loving Israel and now you're like this fucking dude <laughs> that's one person I'm not I'm talking about the actual uh -uh. 
I'm talking about the, the, the current Israel. Israeli government's uh, Netanyahu and, and all the actual, like... Dude, he's a star in Israel, by the way, high in the shed. Yeah, but, I mean, Alex Jones... Am I is his a, name right? Am I Alex Jones right? is a star in America. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean he's no, right. No, no. I mean, Haim Meshed is, like, a, apparently a star in Israel, like, in, and the Israeli government and all that so shit. So is Bar like, Raffaele. I wouldn't take her word for anything. But he was an Israeli space fucking chief, like, security chief. Like, Yeah, well, I mean... Alex Jones and Alex Ross... We're neither of those things. <laughs> so, like, there's no, there's no. Alex Jones has talked to security chiefs and people high up. In, yeah, in but the military. he wasn't one. No, he wasn't one personally. But I'm sure he. Right. He, neither he, was he Alex has, Ross. He has the word of people who 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 were, and and this dude who was on fucking 60 Minutes, who's like, yeah, we see UFOs a lot. <laughs> no, dude, the guy said every day for the last few years. Yeah. You're like Jesus fucking Christ! What? <laughs> it's just what? it's just China. It's just China. I can't be China, China in the fifties though. It wasn't China in the fifties because if it was China in the fifties, why didn't they just destroy us during the Korean War? It wasn't. No, it, it, it was Japan in the fifties, or 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 the Nazis. Or the, no, the Japan Japan wasn't allowed to even do that shit in the fifties. We fucking put. So yeah, many they fucking, weren't allowed like, to. It doesn't them. mean they weren't doing it. It doesn't mean the Nazis weren't on the moon. Sending their fucking moon ships back to Earth. You, you, you now believe the Nazis were on the moon. That was something I said a long time ago. You were like laughing at me. The Nazi moon base may or may not have existed, or still <laughs> exist. Yeah, we don't fucking know. Exist. You know, Buzz, Buzz Lightyear. I mean, Buzz Aldrin. Hitler, dude. By the way, I, I was just telling my wife the other day. I said, I looked at her and I said, looking at the. Did you say Hitler? Like <laughs> self-contained? You go Hitler. <laughs> Hitler, <laughs> I love saying Hitler. Um, so I told my wife just the other day. I said Hitler, <laughs> Hitler, <laughs> Hitler. I said, I said Hitler is loving this from beyond the grave. What's going on in Israel and Palestine right now? Like for him, this is the perfect continued oh, he's dead. like threat level on the Jewish people that just put them at such odds. Like I'm sure he's loving this shit. No, he died from Parkinson's in the '60s or '70s. Did he really? In South America, yeah, in, in Buenos Aires. Wait, that's obviously not what history tells us, because I don't believe that. He, but I mean, that—that's certainly he, more he possible than himself. he's on the moon. But you know, whatever. I love the idea that Hitler went to fucking Buenos Aires okay. and is just chilling. Yeah, just chilling. My phone is nuisance phone. Whatever he says, when he, <laughs> he, he, he can't <laughs> he answer that it. phone. That's that's ringing, <laughs> yes. and then another fucking German. Bikes I, past I, him. He says, "Yeah, what is no, what is Diaz, my hair?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." That's great. I love Simpsons. Did that shit, and I knew, I understood as a kid. I didn't watching say, that. yeah, that was a, that's one of those jokes that like it took me until early adulthood, and I was like, "Oh, they're making fun of the idea that Nazis got to fucking really Buenos Aires," and I was like, oh. "I got it. I got it as a kid. I was like, oh my god, this is great. They're making the joke that Hitler's still alive.'" Like, I was just like, this is amazing. I was blown away as a kid. I was really into World War II, though, as a child, even. Yeah, like, yeah, I've been I did, into I did, World War II my whole life. I know where the fuck a Hitler was. I mostly am fascinated with World War II because my uh, both my grandfathers um, were very involved in that war in di very different ways. And um, I have, my whole life, uh, idolized them. Like, I've just been blown away about both of them and the way they, they fought for America and were patriots. Hmm. And, like, ever since that... 
I knew that as a little boy, I've always been fascinated by World War II. Every aspect of World War II, not just what they did, but like every other aspect of World War II. Fucking Africa, Italy, fucking France, Jap- Japan, all the all the islands. I love that shit. It's amazing. Blows me away. All right, do you have anything more to say about Midnight Run? We should probably wrap up. I soon. love Dennis Farina's Jimmy Serrano. I thought he actually brings the gravitas. Serrano. And you feel like he's a f- what? Sergio Serrano. We were talking about that earlier today. Spelled the same way. Jimmy Sergio Serrano. Serrano. Jimmy Serrano. His dad. Um, I really thought like with Dennis Farina, like he, it's just like Michael Bay loved to use this guy, and he's dead now, and it sucks. And uh, funny enough, um, uh, my wife, uh, he he used to be a uh, friends of their of my wife's family um so that that was random i never knew him though he was on a show Um, in the late 90s called like buddy pharaoh or something where he played a detective i I remember being a a pi or something right yeah he did yeah it was like a pi i think you're right yeah Yeah, i don't remember what it was called but i love him in these r films where he gets to like just be a person in a scene because he does that really well the interactive extra we brought up earlier he is (laughs) he is that on an actor level dennis farina i mean like He's in those moments when he's yelling at uh, uh, Philip Baker Hall, uh, his lawyer, Sidney, and he's just like, shut the fuck up, Sidney. If you fucking say one more word, I'm going to bury this phone in your head or your skull or whatever the fuck he says. Like, you're like, Jesus Christ, I buy it. Like, I buy it. Like, there are people who fail miserably all the time pretending to be a gangster mafioso, someone with fucking cojones, whatever the fuck, right? And you're like, ah, this just doesn't fucking work. This is failing. But, like, Dennis Farina... He visually doesn't look like the guy that would fuck you up. He plays a gangster he, a lot. I mean, it's kind he of He commands that level, though, yeah. for me. Like, I'm like, dude, that guy feels like he could fuck me up or that he could command someone to do so. And Philip Baker Hall, he is incredible in everything. Bookman, talking about Seinfeld earlier, he's yeah. great as Bookman. Uh, as, as, I mean, like, the way he co- goes after Jerry is insane. He's scary. You would not want hit, you would not Phil Baker Hall to be mad at you. You would Maybe this is what turns you on, Seinfeld. Maybe that's how you get your kicks. You and your good time buddies. Well, I got a flash for you, Joy Boy. Party time is over. I fucking love Bookman, that's dude. A, I fucking yeah. love him. That's I mean, he's obviously in a lot of Paul Thomas W.S. Anderson West yes. movies. He didn't start acting until he was 30. He was actually a baker before then, and that's why he got the middle name uh, Philip Baker Hall, because mm. he was a baker. And Philip Hall was probably already taken by, by somebody else in SAG. Yeah, so he was just like, I'm going to just – I was a baker for the last 30 years of my life. I might as well be, you know, Philip Baker Hall. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure – I'm not going to say your first name, but uh, I'm sure your name is already taken in SAG, so you'll have to add a – a J or a K or an S or something in there. Just just throw in, yeah, first name pizza delivery driver Ballard. (laughs) Yeah. Or last name um, if Ballard's your first name. I was at Dorn's going away party or something. No, it wasn't Dorn's going away party. It was some Dorn party. He didn't go anywhere. I ran into literally my name, another person, my name, working in the industry in visual effects. Yeah. And we were both the same person, Ballard, and we were just hanging out the whole time giggling about how we were the same person. And we both actually, uh, you know, reflected on how much we hate our first name. And I don't know anybody with my, my first name yeah. that likes their name. Hmm. I don't know anyone that likes their name that's my first name. I can't say what it and is. Over and over again. Uh, but uh, when did Dor- 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 still here, isn't he? Dorn left? Dorn, Dorn, Dorn's dead. He had a going away party. 
You said. I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't know what it was. It was, like, it was maybe that my going away party. I know it was at Doran's house. I forget what the fuck the party was for. I just remember it was You went house. away. And it was a very I sad went away, day. That's yeah. for sure. It may have been a p- birthday party. It may have been his birthday party. That might have been. He's definitely had birthdays. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a birthday or so. Or two, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's Anyways, leaving um, LA. I'm just curious if he leaves too. Um, John Ashton, who I, I think I said this earlier, uh, was in Beverly Hills Cop, uh, one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's great in this. Um, he he changes. Like he's not he's not playing the same fucking character from those films. He he feels like this really seedy bounty hunter. I kind of love the way he played it. And again. This movie just felt like a whole bunch of reacting, like appropriate reacting. And like when he's on the phone calling about credit cards to try to get uh, De Niro's credit card canceled and to find out when De Niro's last uh, Jack Walsh, when Jack Walsh's credit card yeah, was that, last that, used. That didn't hold up to the ages of time where like. No, because you can't do that. Today. You have, you have to give like then, 30 oh pieces God. of information just to like report your card stolen these days. I know, but think about then how easy it was. I don't think it was probably that hard back then to do it. And the way he does and the way he like comes up with stuff or the way he's like walking through the train and then the fucking guy on the train, like I don't want to say conductor or whatever the fuck they are, stops him and goes, can I help you, sir? And he's like, you can see that beat where he's about to say no. And then he stops and goes, yeah, actually. And he, re- and he realizes in that moment by saying, yeah, actually – he disarms the conductor guy and that he's able to get the information he needs from him of where Jack Walsh is staying on the train, yeah. and which cabin, which car, which room. Um, and like that, that, those moments are like, dude, that's fucking real feeling. Like this movie isn't necessarily very realistic in every which way it, it happens, but it's the interactions that feel so real to me. And I really like that. I don't think we gave her boys this film. Oh, I'll give it four and a half. I would give it four out of five. Okay. And I, I would have said going into this film, I would have thought this movie would have been just a 2.5 out of five boy film. Uh, years ago when I saw it. Yeah. Uh, once again, seeing it really late in life, 2008-ish. Um, but uh, Jesus Christ, it, it's so good, and it was fun to rewatch it and show it to my wife for the first time. Oh, okay. You, you did a little, she enjoyed it. A little screen there. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's, it's definitely now more of a time capsule. Even though when I saw it in 2003, yeah, it was it, it didn't feel like you like Seinfeld was still like airing and you didn't really think about like all the facts that like, oh, you just text them because we didn't have texting in 2003. You did. Seinfeld was definitely barely. not airing in 2003. No, not new episodes, but reruns. Of oh, okay. reruns of like reruns of, of, yeah. of uh, the episode, like the Chinese food restaurant episode would come up and you, you just watch it. Starting you then. just watch it. You watch it. I, I rewatched uh all of Seinfeld in 2018 I was just like every other episode it's like all they'd have to do is fucking text or call like and the episode and the the situation's solved or your phone you pull up your phone it tells you where your car is or whatever you know it's just like the technology gets out of the way solves every problem in 2003 I could still watch Seinfeld and it wasn't a problem but now because texting has changed and having a smartphone with you at all times and a cell phone with you at all times has kind of just become permanent in 2003, I had a cell phone, but I didn't always have it with me. I don't think I brought it to class or anything or, or, or college school all over the place. I had it, but I don't, it wasn't permanently attached to my body. But by the time I graduated, I always had my phone with me and there was a the beginning of texting, but you have to dial it in on the fucking number pad and everything. And, yep. was, and then in 07. T9 word. Uh, what? T9 word. Okay. 
That was the texting that was uh, you had to use the numbers, the dial. No, the this letters. was called P nine word. T nine word, if I recall. Yeah. Uh. Um, I had my phone on me a lot. I had Nokia before I had an LG. Um, I had a phone on me starting in two thousand, and um, I I would say that like looking at the way the world is now and then, even in two thousand and versus uh, uh, then. Um, that's this is why you're seeing so many horror films being dated in the 80s made today yeah right they're so like, you don't oh, have to deal with that fucking scene where the character has like pulls out their phone and there's no right bar bars on it or whatever which i mean sometimes works but then like but but even today that doesn't work so much because it's very rare today even like where you're you got to be pretty much in the yeah. sticks and the boonies the last really time it bothered me was the movie called p2 uh, it, which is all set in a parking structure. Parking I think West structure. Bentley is the villain, and, and the the girl is like she can't get a signal. So she spends like half the movie trying to like pulling out her phone and like, can I get a signal here? Can I get a signal in this room? Can I get? A, it's See, just like, and it sucked, and that's why they stopped doing that. So they make they do a lot of these callbacks to the eighties and yeah. put a lot of films in the eighties. Well, my, you know what I mean? my point was that just, just as I could still enjoy <laughs> Seinfeld in two thousand and three, when I saw this movie in two thousand three, Midnight Run, we're talking about, uh, I, I I just watched it as a movie and enjoyed it. Watching it now, it feels way more like a relic. Like, that's a totally forgotten time where you'd have to, like, get a hold of somebody. Or it might be, yep. you know, hours or days before the next time you talk to that person or got an update or whatever. And uh, and just the the way, like, interstate travel is so fucking lax and stuff. And, and uh, yep. now it's, it, you know, the, the, it, it, I mean, when you see De Niro smoking in an airport, it's just like insane it's yeah it's, it's just like okay or a restaurant yeah or even a restaurant or whatever it's just like okay that's not now you can't even go get on a plane without having a mask on you at all times so like yeah he's smoking on the train or is the bus i think it's the train and no it's the bus he's smoking on the bus and you're just thinking to yourself like jesus christ he is just like smoking on this bus with families in the background. I know. It, no one gives a shit. That, that like, <sighs> and Grodin is supposed. By the way, and Charles Grodin is supposed to be an asshole for mentioning it. Yeah, he's supposed to be the annoying one for saying put it out. Right, and, and it's like put it out. It's like nowadays, you know, that the, like, the reminders are still there. There's no smoking signs on every airplane. It's just like. Do you need on those? the ashtray? You, uh, well, no. The, most planes don't have ashtrays anymore. They used to. Remember that though? They have all these non-smoking signs. They still have. Yeah, ashtrays but they don't have the ashtrays the anymore. But they still have the no-smoking signs. So they, they still have it yeah. like in every mall and every fucking park and every. There's always no-smoking signs everywhere. And it's just like, yeah, we know. You don't have to keep yeah, reminding it. us. It's, it's very confusing and very weird. Like it's, it seems like a, a making a point of it. Uh, but uh, the the point is is that now here we are in 2021 so removed from the normal that we knew in 2018 through covid and 2019 uh through covid i'm I'm saying 2018 because that's when i i think rewatched seinfeld or whatever um but just like we're we're so removed from the world we knew as of yeah like march of 2020 uh that now we're like it's it's twice removed watching this movie it's like okay 88 to 2019 is already all these weird removals where everyone could smoke and nobody had cell phones and then on top of that it's like oh just walking into a restaurant without a mask on is fucking insane so Mm -hmm. i mean i I don't know what happens with movies moving forward if, if like 
I think it's going to be like kind of they did with 9-11 where like nobody really mentioned 9-11 for like five years in narrative movies and then Mm -hmm. all all of a sudden they started and and like I think it was the first time I was like oh yeah 9-11 it was was, uh, in uh, Casino Royale Casino Royale Daniel Craig's first movie has one line that's like where uh, M says like after 9-11 we monitored who made money on that day and this one account made a went up really high it's, it's the terrorist oh that, wow i was like I, about that. I was like okay so 9-11 happened in the world of james bond now which yep. is fine you know because james bond couldn't have prevented 9-11 mm-hmm. but i mean even still like you, you don't they don't mention 9-11 in the mcu because it's like well bitch captain marvel you should have probably prevented that shouldn't you have you could have flown right you could fly from planet to planet you could have gotten there and fucking not yeah. and, and uh, you know it's like it, so you, you don't want to really mention something like that in that world or eternals eternals is about to show us the same thing right like you're these gods on our planet supposed to be saving us and you allowed all these really horrible tragic events to occur yeah unless like they're gonna marvel's probably gonna have to actually figure out a way to retcon the actual events of humanity and 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 the reason why Superpowered beings didn't do anything to help. I, I love that in the MCU they can't like talk about 9/11 because then it calls into question why the superheroes didn't do anything on 9/11. But in yeah, Zack Snyder's universe, the superheroes cause the 9/11s. It's like yeah, over 9/11 times like 50, you know, in Man of Steel. Yeah, it's how many villains go down in it, Man of Steel, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, and even and lives are lost in BVS, even though they don't call to it. But like Doomsday kills people in BVS. Yeah, because his his freakout happens in the middle of Metropolis downtown, and even though Anderson Cooper lets us know there's not that many people down there. That's right. Anderson that doesn't Cooper's mean there, there aren't anybody. Uh, yeah. So uh, what was my point? I think they're gonna deal with the same thing with COVID, where like five years on, they'll start mentioning the pandemic and, and that we are all recovering from. But I think for a while, most uh, moving forward, most shows that are shooting right now are probably not going to bother. Or, or, or just There's not gonna one show it. that hit it head on. And it's like, they're like, yeah, yeah this is us. Yeah, this is us. Like film. No, no, not just, this is us. It's something else. It's some lawyer show or something like I, I can't remember where it is. I remember just seeing briefly, but it was like, they're like, they're hitting it head on. They're like, yeah, we're fucking pretending like COVID's happening in this world too. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. And they were wearing masks, and I think they were wearing the masks because they were like, we can't shoot without wearing masks because of insurance reasons, and so, fuck it, mask everyone up. We're just saying COVID's happening yeah. here. That was interesting about uh, Euphoria, is that the, the Euphoria specials mentioned the Black Lives Matter protests, but they didn't mention COVID, and they were eating in a restaurant really? during COVID, so I'm like, what's going on here? Because they're talking Weird. about the fucking, the June stuff, but they're not talking about huh. COVID. So it was like, oh, that was interesting. But uh, I, yeah, I, I think they want to pick COVID for a long time. And uh, when they do, it'll, it'll be like a thing that happened in the past. Uh, I hope. I think that's the best way to handle it. Um, you were talking about Seinfeld a moment ago. And I just, just because in case anyone's screaming, I just want to say it too. Um, Modern day Seinfeld, we talked about a, a, a kind of analogous to um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, but the obvious connection between modern day Seinfeld Curb. would be Curb, yeah. And like you do get an answer to how Seinfeld characters would have handled texting and cell phones in Curb. I don't, I, 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 I know that Curb is kind of the spiritual successor to, to Seinfeld, but it, it doesn't, for sure, it doesn't do exactly what Seinfeld was doing. It's missing, it's missing major. 
players. Well, right? it's missing. Like, I mean, yeah. Well, because La- Elaine, Larry's just George uh, uh, to a certain degree, but Larry is not in that show as immoral as George in in Curb. He's he's more he's a little bit more realistic a person. Yes. Whereas, um, and I watched Seinfeld. Jo- George does like illegal shit several times. Yes. Oh yeah. He tries and, to and, drug and his boss at one point. Like you go to jail for that. Uh, Jerry and George both drugged a woman so they could play with her toys, which is clearly an ep- an episode that was referencing uh, men taking advantage of women when they're passed out. Um, the the Seinfeld, I feel like though, when I rewatch it, I look at Seinfeld and I I barely see Jerry in any of the characters. There's hints of Jerry even in Jerry, but like mostly I see Larry, and I see Larry. I when there's certain things Elaine does. I'm just like that's Larry. Yeah, like that is Larry, and like there's certain things George does. Obviously, that you're like that's Larry. George is the obvious connection, but there are things Jerry does and Kramer does too. You're like Jesus Christ, that's Larry, and I only know that because of Curb. But like when, but that's not real. That's Larry, not actually Larry David. That's still the character based on the Larry characters. David, but that's yeah. Larry writing himself into those characters. So like, there's moments with Elaine. I would say the most obvious one for me, like right now off the top of my head, for that's like the most Larry moment that Elaine does is when Elaine is working for Peterman and she grabs the cake out of the refrigerator, the the Victorian cake or whatever the fuck yeah. it was, and like starts eating a cake. little bit of it and then has to take then has to shave off more to be able to like make it match up. And then the next thing it is, is just Elaine's dancing in Peterman's office eating the cake like she's at a ball. And like that's the most Larry moment in my head. Like I just watched that and I'm like, that's Larry. That's Larry to a yeah. T right there. How does that resolve? She, she, he, he knows about it, but he, like the idea is that the cake will cause her to yes. have such horrible diarrhea. The buttercream, yeah, the hundred-year-old buttercream or whatever, the hundred-year, plus hundred-year-old buttercream will destroy her intestines. <laughs> yeah. So after, yeah. but it's weird because that's like days later, and he's like, "Is the cake still with you?" And she's like, "As far as I know," <laughs> and it's like she would have already had the you. I mean, I fucking I, I'll, I'll eat, you know. P.F. Chang's and have to shit within 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that, that's... It, 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 the, the delayed reaction was a little long, but for comedy purposes, it worked. Whatever. Let's wrap up it, to it, the, yeah. this episode. Yeah, let's do it. All right, yeah, we've, we've barely talked about Midnight Run. <laughs> this is another vacuums episode where we just don't fucking have a show topic. Yeah, uh, but Midnight Run was a good show topic. I'm okay talking about Midnight Run. It was, honestly, if you've never seen it and you think you can stomach 80s films... Because I, I get it. There are people out there today, millennials today, that are just like, 80s film, man. Those are old. Fine. Whatever. But, like, if you can actually, like, watch an 80s movie and be like, I fucking love watching this time capsule movie. Yeah. This is a good movie. Yes. And it's not ridiculously overpaced, like, underpaced. I mean, it's it's a little slow. It could probably have lost 20 minutes or so. Uh, but it it's, uh, for, for, to bring it up to modern uh, pacing standards. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And, and you can go too far. You can go too far with the pacing. Looking at you, J.J. Abrams, you, you fucking just just throwing things happening at me constantly so fast that I don't have any time to realize how stupid yeah. they all are. And, and so, so as a result, I'm like, I think I enjoyed that movie. And then like you, you look back on it and it's like, you're like, well, I don't f- know what I watched. What the fuck? Spock saw the planet from another planet. It was like, huge. oh, you're talking about Star Trek. Star yeah. Trek, all of his movies, literally all of his all movies, of 
are fucking ridiculous. I love that Spock watched his planet explode from a fucking ice moon that would be impossible to actually have seen how Vulcan exploded. <laughs> that was like a moment where like it was the second time I saw that at the arc light with you and Doran and Corey yeah. and the the, the uh, that it's character actually from, 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 from Speed uh, at the arc light and was like was like wait a minute this movie's stupid. <laughs> Star it's Trek's not movie, supposed though. to be stupid. No, Star Trek's not supposed to be stupid. That's why when everyone like like I think it was our review of Into Darkness for our spoiler cast for Star Trek Into Darkness and everyone else's spoiler cast for Star Trek Into Darkness. We all said Classic Star episode. Trek Into Darkness is not a bad Star Wars film, but it is a horrible horrible Star no, Trek it's, movie. It's, it's a it's a horrible Star Trek film. It's a not a bad Star Wars film. And now you've seen his not a bad Star Wars film. It's called Force Awakens. And then you've seen his really bad Star Wars film. It's called The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I said before, I I don't like The Last Jedi that much. I, I, I can't watch it. But I will rather watch Last Jedi than watch The Rise of Skywalker. I disagree with that. Uh, Rise of Skywalker is such a mess that uh, it's still interesting in some ways. And yeah, <laughs> it's not his study. fault. Like, like, The Force Awakens is his fault. But the... the Rise of Skywalker is that's that's still Ryan Johnson's fault and Kathleen Kennedy's fault. Like that's, that's a lot of people's faults, I think. Um I think the Rise of Skywalker you could definitely do a critical essay on, no question. Yeah. Surprised there was I, I don't think uh, uh Stoklos is gonna do a Plinket review for it. Um Did he do it for Last Jedi? Yeah, he did for Last Jedi and he did one for Force Awakens. He's just... I think he's tired, man. He isn't... Well, he did one not that he's long done. ago. He did one during COVID. It was for the uh, Picard show. Yeah, but, like, I think, in, in general, he's lost a lot of steam during COVID. Yeah, they have. In general, they just did. I think Jay's trying to keep it up. Um, I think Mike's over it. I think Mike's like completely over. They get it. like I would they be get forty grand. There, they have, there's three of them who are part of the official like payroll, and they get forty grand a month on uh, Patreon alone. So I mean, they yeah. got to keep that money coming. They got to cre- keep creating content. He's got mortgages but, to pay. Uh, well, in Milwaukee, how much can anything cost? Buy a house probably, for nine literally grand, like probably. two thousand a month, and he probably lives in a mansion. Yeah, but you know, it's frozen half the year. Yeah, but is it worth it to be frozen to live in a mansion? I don't know, man. I was all ready to leave L- L.A. and move to fucking back to Texas. And then Texas, to Texas. Texas freezes. And it's just like a, a nice reminder that like Texas is. No, it's just like Texas. You, you don't understand. You don't understand because you've never lived in Texas. You don't know. I never did. You don't know what it's like to all of a sudden have your leg be on fucking fire and you have to scramble into a house and pull down your pants and there's you're, you just got a swarm of fucking fire ants on you. This has happened more than once to me is is the, the sudden fire ant attack and you just have like these little pimples on your leg that sounds hurt like, like hell. It sounds like Crystal Skull. It sounds like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, right? Isn't that what happens to like when the No, Russians? those those are fucking, those are just army ants. Those are just like bull ants or something. Like fire ants can kill you and they're there's just mines of fire ants, anthills, just all over everywhere. And you never know if you're stepping in one. And and that's just like, that's thing one. Then there's fucking- That's all tor- Texas? Then there's tornado. No, that's just thing one that kills you in Texas. Then there's fucking tornadoes that happen randomly. Oh, 
don't like tornadoes we got big tornadoes and they're called hurricanes and they're coming off the fucking coast uh, uh they're, they're about to destroy galveston you gotta tape up your fucking windows and it's like Dude, oh the hurricane galveston. didn't come but a tornado came and then it's like oh the fucking thunderstorm and lightning and fucking flooding and oh no it's flooding and you gotta fucking go into your backyard and oh look there's a weird ball that's coming towards you a, a, a black moving ball what it, is that uh, that's in standing water you don't know you know, what if you're this? in standing water and there's a, a fucking weird little black black ball that looks like a bunch of squiggles, that's fire ants, and they fucking collide with your leg, and then you're at bit uh, again. What really? Uh, there's giant roaches, giant wasps, hornets, all kinds of bugs are just trying to kill you constantly. The weather's fucking with you all the time. Sounds like Florida. Uh, I mean, Florida too. That's that's the reason. Like these are the these that this that's north of the wall. All right. The free folks live there, but there's also those fucking zombies. And the free folks live there because they hate the government so much that they'd rather live <laughs> in the wildlands with fucking zombies and it freezes and kills Florida you. Florida is north of the wall. I love that. I, I love that analogy. <laughs> Texas too. Florida is like extra north of the wall, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we're the like free folk. <laughs> we're like in Texas that like you go to any restaurant, there's a big sign in the front saying, Hey, I know you can open carry here, but our policies prefer if you don't open carry inside our oh, Denny's. Yeah. And, and in Florida, it's just like, yeah, fuck it, do whatever. Smoke crack in here. a few arenas delivering pizzas. Um, and uh, the, I, my favorite thing is you can't enter this arena while uh, carrying arms regardless, says private management or something like that. Like they'll they'll have signs like that around arenas. Be like, you just can't bring in your weapon in here in this arena. Sorry. Right, I need to pee. So either we need to take a break or wrap up. Let's wrap it. Let's right. wrap it up. Cool boy. Fuck nation. Give us your ending. midnight boys for midnight run by emailing <gasps> us at the cool boys podcast at gmail.com. And if you used to be on the cool boys podcast, and also we know you recently watched midnight run for the first time, maybe send us an email review for our next episode. You know, that'd be a nice way to still contribute to this thing that you helped create <laughs> and then abandoned. Uh, be sure to like and midnight subscribe. Please. to the cool boys podcast also new midnight episodes come out on midnight fridays the making and authorized distribution of this midnight podcast allegedly supported over 1500 murders and involved thousands <gasps> of work hours review us on midnight podcasts batman and beyond on apple Podcasts, soundcloud spotify and midnight <laughs> <laughs> Most of the movie takes place in the day, so it's confusing. Uh, thank you. For no, it's because he has to get there by, by Friday by, yeah, by mid midnight. I know what it is. Thank you yeah. for because that's at the end. He's like, oh, I almost made. I would have made it. You know, he realizes. Thank you for fucking yeah, with us. Wait, 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 wait. He's at LAX and he looks at his watch and he goes, "I got 25 minutes. I would have made it." Where were you going from LAX that you yeah. had 25 minutes <laughs> downtown LA? I don't think so. Uh, you can't get anywhere. It, it takes it takes 25 minutes to get out of the airport at LAX. Yes, yes. I know There's from no experience. Way. And that's if you have a if you have an Uber guy, you're never getting out of LAX alive. If you have a cab driver, you know he's like, like airport, we take you. I'm like, I'm like what? Get to the cab. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but I want to go to the strip club. <laughs> airport. I, if you are getting into a cab at LAX, you are getting into the cab of a guy who grew up in a in a in a place where there was not electricity or running water, and they were constantly being bombed. 
Sounds like Kazakhstan. Or Yugoslavia or Kosovo yeah. or Uzbekistan or whatever the fuck. Northern uh, Ireland. What? Northern Ireland. No. Well, yes, Northern Ireland had bombings, but they weren't from the sky. And they also <laughs> no, they're from don't drive cabs in L.A. Yeah. Fucking, you know, it's like you get into a cab you're like oh what, what is that what's that smell crab juice it's like what, what? <laughs> what the fuck is that that's not a beverage can, can you roll down the windows windows do not work <laughs> it's like what is that was that simpsons when he goes to the world trade center no it's a real drink crab juice is an actual drink i think is it a real drink? But that's from Simpsons, right? No, it's from the Simpsons, but I don't think it's only from the Simpsons. I think you actually. I people... don't know about crab juice from anything other than the Simpsons. We have Mountain Dew and crab, crab juice. juice. Ew, <laughs> God. I'll take a crab juice. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> thank you for listening. Stay cool, cool boy, Midnight Nation. Did we Until talk next... more about Simpsons and Seinfeld than we talked about Midnight Run? <laughs> well, whatever. We're not, we're, we're not professionals. Until next time, hey, it's Mizey's for Midnight Felt. And that's Bizey from Runs Ballard. You are standing American boy. You excelled in all things. Oh my god. You son of a bitch. See, I got a huge cock. Oh my god. So you can run and tell that. God damn. Oh boy. Get out of here. The whistles go. Woo!